This is the 1984 Flyer Die Podcast. Every episode is special. This one here is special too. Different reasons, because me and the guests here are both wearing the same styled hat. Like, both got on like dad hats that with camouflage padding on it. We didn't plan this. This shit just happened, man. You know, but that's how life happens. You know, we can't really predict it. It just, you know, spontaneity, baby. We ride that wave. So, this brother here, I've known him for. Damn, I want to say almost 10 years now. Feels like it. Feels like it. Uh, he is a personality. He is a mainstay on the Philadelphia nightlife scene. He's, his contributions to the game thus far have been well appreciated. People love this guy. You see him. You know, he's active on social media. You know, he's he knows the culture. He knows the shit. And besides my homie MP, no one else that I know loves DJ Quick as much as I do, as this guy does here. Because he knows. That's a fact. He knows, he knows this guy. You know what I'm saying? So without further ado, allow me to introduce to you my main man, DJ Mike Lowry. My man, thank you. Well, I mean, I apologize to the listeners because after that intro, I think everything else is going to be a letdown that I have to say. But uh, that was that was a great intro. I like that. Yeah, that's what we do, man. I need that anytime I perform. I need that intro. Um, man, that's dope. Thank you for having me, brother. First off, before I say anything, I don't want to reset the stage or anything. Rest in peace to Combat Jack. I got to say that first. I yes. don't think a lot of us would be sitting here if it wasn't for what Reggie Ose did for the culture. So, RIP Combat Jack. Combat Jack. Get ready for combat. Mm-hmm. And I love that he, through his platform, there was so much like hip hop history that I was able to learn. Right. That I couldn't get anywhere else. Right. You know, like, of course, we read the Source magazines, Double XL magazines, Mass Appeals, the list goes on and on and on. Right. You know, Ego Trip, too. But there was something about his show, yeah. about his guest. That was just, it was just amazing to me. You yeah. know, I really loved it. He had just Blaze DJing, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, I think one of the most like vivid interviews I remember, ha- remember him having was with Dame Dash. Oh, yeah. Then Dame Dash Returns. Yeah, he did, I was going to say he did a few of them, yeah. Yeah, and, and a little back and forth between Dame and Just was like, was classic. Yeah. Oh, about the <laughs> about the uh, the fake uh, the fake jersey he had. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he was clowning for the jersey. Yeah, yeah I yep. remember it. It was going back and forth, and just seeing him mention like interviewing like Jada Styles, Buster, and Lost Professor. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite interview he had one with Prodigy too. That was dope. Yep. Yeah, rest in peace of Prodigy as well. Yeah, RPP for sure. And I think that's why I like this whole entire podcast podcasting 
world that we're in right now is so important and essential. Because I had an interview, um, I did a Friday that I'm going to post up, you know, this week. But by the time you guys hear this, it'll, it'll already be posted. But the idea was that it's important to share stories mm-hmm. and to share legacies and to keep this thing going. Yep. Because, you know, word of mouth and all of our ideas must be, must be preserved. Right. Because, you know, if not, it's like, what's the point of it? Yeah. You know, because so many rappers out here are like, yeah, I got the flies changed and the whips and shit. Cool. Right. But what's your legacy? Yeah. What's it going to be about? You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's the most important thing to me. Yeah. Um, so long live um, the memory of Combat Jack. Long live the uh, the podcast game, and uh, let's see what the universe takes us. For sure, for sure. So before we get into like you know the real real talk, last night I was watching uh, on Netflix. Shout out to Netflix. Yep. I was watching uh, Godfather one and two. Okay. Godfather 3 does not exist to me, don't so I don't it. talk about it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't talk about that. Nope. A bunch of shenanigans and tomfoolery, man. Sometimes we got to quit while we're ahead, people. That's right. I should have left it alone. So I was watching it, and I had this theory. And hopefully brothers, you know, and sisters too, you know, guys and girls, whatever, understand this point of view if you are going to be a Michael Coleone mm-hmm. and in the game mm-hmm. you cannot have a cape with you okay they probably understand what does that mean I'll break it down okay if you're gonna do anything in any kind of business you need to be with someone as a partner who understands the business understands you and is gonna let you do what you're gonna do Right, mm-hmm. but mean in terms of like not saying like let you run over it, but, un- but understand that yo, if I'm handling a certain kind of business, I need someone to understand this is this is the business that I'm in. It's the life that I'm in. Right. Because you watch the film, there's a part where he's like, I don't know if he's he's in Miami or not. It's before like he has a situation with Fredo. Right. And Tom tells Mike, he's like, yo, something I want to tell you. Mike's like, yo, tell me, man. Well, tell me, come on. Right. So Kate, she had a miscarriage. She lost a baby. Because they were planning to have a boy. And like Mike was like, yo. And Mike was trying to handle everything normally. Right. Problem was, Mike got thrown into a world where he wasn't really prepared for it. Right. But he had to deal. He had to make himself prepared for it. You know, which, which is tough. You got to think on the spot. Sure. So with that being said... You know, he comes back, he finds out that the kid has, uh, you know, has been, uh, was a miscarriage. He's like, damn. And he goes to see Kate. Okay. Or Kate at the, at the house. And they're talking, he's sitting down with him, listen, Kate, so, yo, um, I know I have the strength to change. So I want to do things, want to be a better person and all. And so I know that, you know, you've been thinking a lot about the, uh, about the abortion and all. I'm mean, not the abortion, talking about the, um, the miscarriage. Right. And all that, he said, no, I'm sorry. You know, I don't know how much it meant to you. She said, Michael, I didn't have a miscarriage. It was aborted. And I was like, oh, shit. I even saw like, the spirit leave his face, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, what? And she said to him, yeah, this all must end. This Sicilian thing must end. I won't carry one of your sons. And you know, they got into a little spat, right? Right. It got a little bit physical. We don't condone that, but. Sure, sure, sure. It, it came to, it, it dawned on me. I said, you know what? 
she wasn't the right one for him. Right. Because in the game that he was playing, in the business that he was in, she wasn't, it wasn't for her. Because don't get me wrong, I bet you that she, she enjoyed the life, you know, all the spoils that came with it. Right. Him having money, the nice crib, this and that. And, you know, probably did she I did enjoy that. Yeah. But when it, got, when it was going bad, which was what that, get, what that life had to offer, she was like, oh, I'm all must end. This Sicilian thing must end. Right. And it's like, you you. First of all, you don't say that to a Sicilian, but. Right. <laughs> and number two, like, when you've been afforded the luxuries that come with it, right, it's like you can't really say, oh, this must end. Nah, because when, he, when she got shot at, it was the first time they were in, in the bed together, yeah. and um, Hyman Roth has hired somebody to shoot up the, the windows or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, that was her first time to be like, yo, I got to get out of here. Right. But she stayed. And then she had, had the abortion, and that shit went down. And I just came to a point, I realized, that, listen, dude, if anything that you do, any kind of business you get involved in, any kind of hustle, you got to have somebody who's ride or die for that. Right. Like for you being in the nightlife, right? Right. You got to have a partner who understands sure. all that comes with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't be like, oh, every night. I'm like, yo, I'm working. Right, This, right, is, this right. is what I'm doing. Yeah, but you have people who are like that now in their relationships. Like, yo, you know, I love her and she loves me, but we having these issues because she can't seem to understand what I'm doing. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then you gotta make a decision. Yeah, if you're gonna hustle and do your thing, or or you're not. Yeah, but you can't live your life for other people, especially when you're in the thick of what you're doing. Yeah, because I think about what else could a Michael Corleone have done. I mean, he was chosen, so. Yeah, he was put yeah. into a spot. I mean, because, look, everything that happened around him, like, Sonny probably would have been the one to run the family, but he was a hothead. Yeah, I was about to say, he was a firecracker. He's a firecracker. Yeah, yeah. And plus, like, Carlo, um, you know, Connie's dumbass husband right. got him set up. Right. Fredo was too weak-minded. Yep. So what was he to do? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he came back from the Army. He didn't, wanna, he didn't want no parts of that shit. No, I'm trying to remember... Did she know about everything when she first met Michael? Like, to, to quote the great Aubrey Graham, like, did, did she know what it was when she signed up? You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to remember. Like, There was a scene, um, I believe it may have been at Connie's wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. And they were sitting at the table. Yep. And she said, Michael, who's that scary man over there? Right. It was Luca Brasi. Uh-huh. He, was, he was practicing the lines of what he's going to say to Don, like, yo, thank you for having me here. Sure. Thank you, and all that. So she says, oh, because then the singer popped up. Yep. So, oh, how do you know that guy? And, so he and was, everything started to piece together. Yeah, I right. remember the scene you're talking about. And he sat there, cool and calm with whatever, said, yeah, so he's a... Uh, He's the godson to my father, or he's a uh, right my like father my father helped my father. him with this, or my father helped. Yeah, yeah right. I remember that scene. So, so how that happen? Well, he was signed to a band leader, and he tried to pay him off ten grand to let him free, but the guy wouldn't do it. Get him out the contract. Yeah, contract. So my father went to see him, and Luca Brasi put a pistol to his head. He said, either you put your either your name's gonna be on the on the contract, or your brand's gonna be on the contract. Right. And he chose to sign right. sign it off. The former, yeah. Right. And she's looking at bewildered, like. He said, this is what it is. And he told us this is all true. Yeah, yeah. So she knew what it was, what the family was like. Right. 
think she was with innocent, and she, I guess, was naive, thinking he was gonna change or whatever. But like, he was thrown into a world that he couldn't control. Right. And remember, it was the time when, um, so after Mike did what he did and shot out the uh, Salazzo, he killed mm-hmm. Salazzo and the police chief in the, in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. He went to Italy for two years. Right. He had Apollonia. Apollonia was fun as hell too, man. Love her. Delicious. Love her. Um, she. Yeah, I was really upset about that. Like, I was upset, and I was upset with the direction that he took. I, I wish she would have, you know. Yeah, the, the car blew up. I was like, Nah, no, nah, that. Yeah. I was like, God damn it! So we got back. Before he got back, she went back to the house looking for Michael. I'm trying to find him. Where is he? Let yeah. him know. I'm like, Yo, just. I would, I would let him go. Just, just chill out. But she, would, she kept going back to him. And so when it came down to the situations, as everything's going down the way it's going down, and you're seeing things that you don't like. That you're afraid of, right? This is what it was. Yeah, this is what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason why I asked that is because, like, to to play on you know the real life analogy, like you know, because right. we're not in the mob. Um, Are I we think not? We're not. It's just most places isn't bugged, is it? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think if you did know what it was when you know when you signed up, if you will, you know, everybody likes to use that phrase. Um, and as much as I hate quoting Drake it really is an applicable phrase. Because if you think about it, like if you walk into something knowing what it is, whether it be a relationship or otherwise, but a relationship is the most relatable thing, like for people to listen, you know, to listen to or to relate it to, um, you say you only have yourself to blame, but I mean like really, like if you already know, I, I always, I have a phrase I live by and that's if you fall in love with someone's ambition, you gotta fall in love with their schedule too. Like, you can't, you can't be enamored by someone's hustle, but then hate how much they hustle. Right. And you can't be enamored by like someone's art, but then be upset at how they create it or how long it takes them to create it or what it takes to get it to where it's at. Because behind, or not behind, but surrounding every person who's successful is either a bunch of people who they've left behind, a bunch of people who they've quote-unquote done wrong, they haven't really done them wrong, they've just probably upset them, mm. or or there's a bunch of people that have supported them, and those are the people that are probably going to be still standing next to them to this day. But every successful person is going to have that either in their wake or by their side. And yes, indeed. you got to ask yourself which one you want to be. You know, To be or not to be, mm-hmm. that was the question. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Shakespeare, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was the homie. True. I don't know if he really wrote that because he had a ghostwriter too. But. Yeah, that's what they said. Oh, you slick dude. You try to hear that. All right. That was good. That was good. You're good. You see that? Oh, the Drake parallel? Yeah, you was, yeah you're yeah, slick. Yeah. You're slick right there, man. All right, man. All right. So here's the next thing we'll talk about, right? What's up? Let's talk about my main man, Mike, here. My main man has been... He's been a fixture out here in these Philly streets. Thanks, Thank you. You know? So... Let's get into it. Let's get into how... You got into DJing, right? Sure. Why you got into DJing. And tell me, I want what's the difference with this next question? Because like, the difference between your favorite DJ yeah. and who you think the greatest DJ is. Sure. So let's go. I hit you with a whole bunch of bombs. All right. Bow. So the how and the why are very similar and they're connected to each other. You're going to appreciate it too. As a hip hop head, as an artist yourself, in many forms, and as a a shorter guy with a deeper voice, you're very much gonna appreciate 
the way this timeline took place. Let's get it. All right. So, you know, everybody kind of has that same story. Like, music's always been a part of my life, but music really has always been a part of my life. I grew up in a musical household. Um, brother and sister are both incredibly talented musicians. Um, my sister plays whatever instrument she feels like picking up, but she was never much of, like, the performer. Never really wanted the stage. My brother never really had the discipline to learn the instruments, but always was a great performer. That's kind of probably where I got that side of it from. He ended up being self-taught over the years. Uh, he now plays probably about six or seven instruments himself, writes music. He was a front man of his own band for about 15 years. So, like, Damn. music really is, you know, was in my life. Right. So, you know, I've been performing, dancing, singing, doing all that kind of stuff ever since I was a little kid. Uh, started writing probably when I was like 12, 13, rapping a little bit as much as, you know, as the game would allow. Uh, and then I got to be like, you know, maybe like 14, 15. And I loved, I love hip hop, you know, my whole life. Uh, my brother's, he'll be 42 in March. So my brother is like really pretty much the same exact age as hip hop. So I was blessed to have somebody growing up organically with hip hop and teaching me everything about it. And um, he just loves music in general, but when you're the same age as hip hop, you grow with it and you, you know, you, you love it organically. So I got, I got a chance to kind of experience that firsthand. So hip hop was it for me. I love all kinds of music. I, and you know that I love classic rock. I love soul. I love jazz. I love everything, but hip hop, it just hit me. So it is what it is. So writing, performing, doing that kind of stuff. Like I'm gonna tell you what actually kind of made me shift gears from that to DJing. I love black thought. Right now, I love all a ton of MCs, but like I love Black Thought, and what I love about about Black Thought is that he, the thing that makes him so good, aside from the obvious, like oh, I can rap for ten minutes off the top of the head, like right. you know, everybody saw what he did on Hot ninety seven. I think to be great at something, like you have to you have to do it in such a way that like no one can even recreate it. Like there's so many rappers out nowadays. Like I can rap any Jay Z verse ever. As long as I like hear the song a couple times, memorize the words, I can rap it. That doesn't mean Hove's not amazing. Hove's incredible. Right. But I can rap every one of his verses. I can't rap every one of Thought's verses. And that's not just because he's doing like triple time, like twist to bone thug stuff. He's so good. Mm -hmm. I can't even in single time, like normal BPM range, regular Questlove, JB's drum breaks. Right. I still can't rap Thought's verse. Right? So I thought about how great he was. And then I thought about how smooth his voice sounded and how cool his, and then I thought about all my favorite MCs and how great their voice sound. And I heard my voice. And this is wild too, because I don't know if young, if younger kids and younger artists today, and, and shout out to them for having the confidence they do. Maybe I should have had the same confidence, but I don't think they have this level of humility in themselves. I didn't love myself, like as an artist. And, you know, as, as a rapper, we weren't, you couldn't record, we couldn't re afford studio time back then. It wasn't like, you know, there was no laptop. It was no. You was like, come out your pocket for that shit. Yeah. yeah, no, no. It, it was, it, to, it would have taken you weeks and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to even press, like, you know, a real single. So that's not, you know, that, the, the barrier to entry was there. Mm -hmm. That was one. And then also, like, I wasn't that good. Like, it wasn't, I didn't love what I was doing. I was listening to somebody like Thought and listening to these other guys who just sounded amazing on record. I was like, well, I don't sound like that. And I don't want to be 
like an attempt at something. Now, mind you, the backing was there. Mm-hmm. And we all know, like, when you're the great white hope of, of anything that you're doing, it's like white guy dunks the ball in the NBA. You're like, oh, shit, look at Gordon Hayward. And hope he gets better, by the way. But, like, another 6'5 guard dunks it. You're like, that's what he's supposed to do. And I didn't like that. Like, I didn't, I didn't like that feeling. I was getting booked, like, for shows. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I know why they're booking me because I'm white and I can rap. Right. Cool. I don't even like my own shit. Right. You know what I mean? So, anyway, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. That's the path it took. I always have loved DJing. Um, there was a guy uh, in my town who was actually DJing for me and my partner when we were rapping. Um, and he was like a B-boy, too. He was a guy from Queens originally. He moved to my hometown in Reading. And uh, he was DJing for us. And then also kind of like teaching me a little bit on the side. I was like, man, I really want to get into this. 16th birthday, got turntables. Um, went downtown to Reading to what was at that time called Sneaker Villa Hip Hop, which we now know as Villa. They actually had to put hip hop underneath it. So you knew which Sneaker Villa you were walking into. Because mm-hmm. if those who don't know, Villa is from Reading, Pennsylvania. Started out as a store that kids bought their soccer cleats from. And then they graduated from, yeah, the first one was out in the suburbs, sure. So, and then they, they put one on Six and Pen in Reading. In that same Six and Pen location, a guy by the name of DJ H. Vidal, who became my mentor and, and uh, you know, somebody who really taught me the ropes and one of the best turntablists I've ever seen, he sold vinyl out of that villa. So that's where I bought all my first vinyl from. Wow. I bought the Nelly Country Grammar vinyl early in 99 from him. He was like, yeah, Yo, you got to, this is, I'm going to fast forward a little bit past, like, why I chose to do it, but... This is, like, where it all started with, in terms of, like, music curation, like, you know, DJs knowing what to buy. Because, like, nowadays, there's so many metrics, and you can just check plays on SoundCloud. You can check, like, you know, movement on download sites or DJ pools and be like, all right, what's hot? What are people getting into? Everything back then was word of mouth. Or you had to hear it in the club or hear it in a party. Now, I was too young to do any of those things. I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I, he handed me this record. He's like, yeah, you're going to love this. I'm like, all right, well, what is it? He said, it's by this cat out of St. Louis. I said, man, get the hell out of here. And I handed it back to him. Um, I'm in Pennsylvania. I listen to artists that are either from L.A., a little bit of Atlanta, a mm. little bit of Texas, and, of course, New York. Oh, and, and Philly, obviously, because at the time we had Ram Squad. We had, um, we had figures. We had uh, Advent of State Prop. We had Beanie, obviously. So, yep. like, all that stuff was going on. And uh, he was like, no, for real. You need to hear it. I played it one time, and I was like, oh, game is over. Like, it was crazy. Like, I heard the bass line, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I was like, no, nah, okay, yeah, no, it's over. It's over now. Like, this guy's going to be everything that he's supposed to be. It's over. And uh, that was it, man. Kept taking his advice, kept, you know, keeping my ear open to stuff. Um, that's the how I started DJing, why I started DJing. What I always loved, even when I was performing, uh, was crowd interaction. So to this day, that's what I love. I don't, yeah, I'm competitive when I DJ. Yeah, I think every DJ likes to show off a little bit. Every DJ likes to kind of, you know, show, you know, put their sauce on, on what they're doing. I love the crowd. Like, love the crowd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't able to interact with the crowd. Even at the venues I play at, the more they can position me closer to the crowd or allow me to have interaction with the crowd, I want that. Like, I, 
it's, it's an energy thing for me. So I love that. And what was the third part of that loaded question? Who my wow. favorite? Wow. Yeah, so yeah, so the line between the favorite, favorite DJ right. versus who we think the greatest of all time is. Shoot. Uh, man. Well, I'm going to give you one of my favorite DJs to listen to that made me want to DJ. All right, so my favorite DJ is A-Track, period. Because I think he just, I mean, especially in today's climate, embodies, you know, incredible genius with with survival tactics that we all should take a look at. You know, because he, he has... A-Track has every right to be as bitter as all of you, and I say you because I'm not young either, mm-hmm. but he has just as much of a right to be as bitter as all of us old fucks out there. As a matter of fact, more so, because he's more talented than all of us combined. And he's been that talented since he's 14. So he somehow has maintained a level head, and both him and Jazz Jeff, who is sort of like my 1A to that, you know, which is sort of an obvious choice for people. People are like, oh, Mike chose Jazzy Jeff. Look, I can name great DJs forever. I, DJ Dude. Scratch is on that list. Right. Cash Mon- like, I can name the Mount Rushmore. Cash Money is on that list. Crazed is an amazing DJ. Uh, I mean, there's, there's even, you know, there's guys who pioneered stuff that didn't really have much to do with my scene, but we still have to thank them. DJ Toom, like, you know what I mean? Quick is, is obviously, but if we're talking about, like, when I think of my myself, who I would look at, and it would be like, okay, that's that's it for me. It's a track, one hundred percent. The favorite DJ that I like to that, that I like to listen to that changed it for me, like from an energy standpoint, I was like, oh man, I, I want to do what he's doing. Do you remember DJ Flow? No. So he- DJ Flow, he was he was Power Ninety Nine affiliated. I don't know if he was from Philly, and anybody's welcome in the comments to correct me on this. I could have sworn he was actually f- possibly from Delaware, but I, I could be totally wrong about that. But he was Philly-based for a long time. He was also ended up becoming like the AM1 official DJ. Oh, shit, okay. Um, I don't know if AO hooked that up or whatever the case was, but I don't remember the full trajectory of how it went. Saw him live a couple times, never got a chance to meet him, but his energy was always crazy. Um, I could probably find like an old audio rip or something and I'll send it to you. But the energy was wild. He used to play, basically would do like the um, like the slot that like Diamond Cuts has now and has had for a really long time where it's like that hype you up for the weekend mm-hmm. type of thing. Like before Cosmic Kev will get into his, you know. Uh, street bangers. Yeah, the street bangers and the come up show and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Flow would be your party guy. And it would be to the point that, like, I was already DJing for some years at this time, but I remember being, like, at Temple and, like, rushing home from my work-study job um, just, to, just to hear flow spin. And that, and that was the wild part that, you know, we can't recapture anymore because music is so easily accessible to us at this day and age. What's weird about the age that we are is that we were on such a cusp that, like, we talk about that. Like, it was a really long time ago. But it was, like, those years... You know, we're like, oh, well, back then you had to listen to the radio. The wild part about that was a year later, you didn't have to listen to the radio. A year later, I could load my iPod with a thousand songs. It wasn't like it took 10 years to change that. It was one year we literally had to tune our dial. Mm-hmm. And then a year to two years later, we now could fill our iPod and we didn't listen. I still listen to the radio, but I'm saying like we, we didn't tune in and it didn't like shape our night. 
Like we were, you remember being at house parties, the radio was the joint, the DJ. Like exactly. they couldn't afford a DJ. He kept the radio on. They were reporting live from whatever. Like uh, what was the joints on uh, Club Flow or something like yep. that, or uh, Gotham or whatever. Gotham, probably, yeah. Chrome, whatever, wherever they were, you know. Uh, Palmers or wherever they were like reporting, recording live from, that was actually our DJ for the house party. And so you would lean on, you know, whatever they were doing. Right. So DJ Flo was one of those people. Ah, best, best DJ in the world. I, I oftentimes say DJ Scratch okay. because he's so good at so many things. Like, I, I always say you you got to be somebody's got to be better at you, like to knock you off the pedestal. Somebody's got to be better at you at each of those categories, right? So if we're talking about DJing. What are we saying? Uh, turntablism. Nobody's better than scratch. I mean, there's true like all around turntablism. People get confused with scratching. Mm. DJ Cubert can make a million noises when he scratches, and that's awesome. Right. He's incredible. Scratch can do all of those same noises on vinyl, on, I mean, excuse me, on a 12-inch, on a 45. Mm-hmm. He can do it on Serato vinyl. He can do it on real vinyl. He can do it any different type of way. So that's that, right? Like, even, let's say q edges him out. Okay, but not by much, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so when it comes to the scratching part. And, and A-Track, too, but not by much. It's got like the production side of it, like the hip hop side of it, obviously. Heads that really know, no EPMD, heavy production for Buster Rhymes, like, you know, so on and so forth. So he's got that side of it covered, like the hip hop and the production side, like the, you know, the, the primo lane, if you will, right. right? He's got that covered. Tour DJ. Heads really don't know because Scratch probably didn't tell him enough at the time because he didn't realize how important self promotion was. That's Jay's tour DJ for a really long time. Backstage tour, like Hard Night, I mean Hard Night Life tour, whatever. Right. That's Hove's tour DJ. Jay Z is a perfectionist. He's not just trusting anybody. He picked Scratch because Scratch knew what he was doing at all times, and they, they had no. I mean, aside from the Brooklyn connection, like they don't really have like an affiliation with each other. Camp wise, like he was Rockefeller, he was NPMD, yeah, like. Def Squad, like you know whatever. Right. Like I mean, yeah, label, yeah, whatever. It was easy, probably like from a. Paperwork standpoint? Dove Jam, whatever, yeah. Sure. But the point is, he's across the board. Mm-hmm. Mic work, you know, whatever. But then overall, like, he's he's just an alien in certain ways. Like, he can he can just do tricks that other people can't do. Like, he has the musical knowledge that other people don't have, knowledge of samples, like, so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, for me, best... It's one and one A probably with with him and and A track for me and you know Jeff's got to be mentioned there but there's definitely some other some other greats that I'm sure people will be pissed off that I didn't mention but but the thing about that is like even what comes down to favorite DJs is all objective you like what you like you know mm-hmm. but like with uh with Jeff am I hating because I I respect the hell out of what Jeff has Jeff's done amazing yeah. amazing. But I feel like some people in the city will automatically say him just because they want to be like, they don't want to like hurt anybody's feelings. Mind you, I'm not not saying him to be different. Like, right. I promise I'm not. He's incredible. But you're like, <laughs> you like who you like and you're honest yeah, about yeah. it. But some people out here, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, I like him. I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
Is it is it because you actually do, or is it because like that's the most popular thing to say? You know, it's always a, always that kind of a weight. Because for me, DJing wise, the reason why I say I can't have a favorite, right, is because I know so many DJs in the city sure. who are the homies, and I'm like, I'm not causing that kind of a civil war. You know what I'm Bro, saying? I can't have a favorite either. I'm just answering your question. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to be a bad guest. But yeah, but when like the outside of the city, you yeah. know what I'm saying? No doubt. One of my favorite DJs is DJ Crush mm-hmm. from Japan, and like, I like different cats like for different reasons. Like uh, right. my homie Skeen Richards here in the city, I respect yeah. Cash. Of yeah, homie Cash Money changed my life. Like with the Pump Me Up routine. I mean, that's like if any any. Sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, oh, that's, no. that's life changing if you listen to it. Like, were you um? Here a couple of years ago when he DJed at his uh, mural dedication. No, nah, I missed it. I heard about it, but I missed it. Yeah, I was look. I was there, man. All right. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That entire vibe was just ill. Yeah. Every song, everything made sense. He was mm-hmm. outside in the middle of the street, like he was on 13th or something, bro. Right. He was just out there bugging out. Right. It was one of those great moments, and that's what I love about DJs. Is that you guys rock the party? You guys know how to rock the party. You guys know the how to read the energy. Yeah, yeah the, the, yes, the good ones do. The good ones. That's what, they, that's what they're. That's what they're there for. I mean, they if they if they recognize that. And look, oh, here we go. Petty time again. Yeah, man. Fuck, I, come on, you knew when me and you were gonna get together, there was gonna be some positive aspects to it, and then there was gonna be like some bitter old man aspects. To yeah, it. So we can get to the shits. So I don't care. I'm down for my bitter old man shit. I'll so. back up anything I say, and I'll hug whoever I'm talking about when I see him because I, I don't care. It's a, I'm really not that deeply vested in it. Yeah, same for me. It's yeah. just like, but like, dude, so me being around, me coming up on hip hop, the way that I did, mm-hmm. I knew that there was. There were gatekeepers. And in order for you to pass certain levels or go through certain doors, you had to put your work in. Mm. Work was important. You had to have reputation, a resume. Right. So in the city of Philly, Mm -hmm. I noticed a trend things started happening here. It probably happens all over the country, but we're gonna stick with here. I would see people who would become like DJs damn near overnight, bro. Mm -hmm. Overnight. And then they get thrown into like, doing these big giant events, right? And I've seen them spin these joints, and I'm like, "Yo, who the f- said this is? Who let you in here?" Yeah, I won't forget this one joint, bro. I swear to God, it was a sneaker event held at the TLA mm-hmm. a couple years ago. No, not a couple years ago. It's like 2011, 2012. I'm I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you speak ambiguously to your audience, but mm-hmm. you and I both know that I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, go ahead. So this cat got up on there, like swear before God, he was this dude was not doing this mm-hmm. like six months to a year prior to that. Right. All of a sudden, like here he is, like DJing at this big event. Yeah. A lot of people there. Yeah, a lot of people there. Yeah. And, you know, his homie, who was part of his collective, was like, yo, we're here for this joint. My main man's going to spin. Mm-hmm. And so the homie was, like, riding the whole EDM wave at the time. But not EDM. It wasn't really EDM at the time. It was that. I mean, I can call it out. You want me to call it out? 
I was, what was it? It was like dub shit. It was like Trilectro is what they were Yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we go. Motherfuckers. <laughs> so we would, it would have for it, man. Yeah. It was like, it was a sound. It was like, it was a wah, 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 that shit. And everybody who's there for the sneaky joint, they're just standing there looking at the stage. Yeah. Nobody's moving. Nobody's dancing. And I'm like, yo, what the f-? Because if anybody who is seasoned, to be in a place like that, at a spot like that, you right. know how to read the energy, B. Right. You know what to play. If you care. If you care. Nah. Because this cat was getting, like, spins at different spots sure. throughout the city. And I'm, like, scratching my head trying to figure this the fuck out. Like, yo, how is this happening? Right. And even now, you know, I'm seeing, like, certain people who are getting, like, boom, placements here, placements there. But I'm, like, the work. Right. But these are not – and I'm not – Dissing them, saying that they just all out trash. Right. But it's just that, yo, there's tons of room for improvement. And but the thing is, you had to be tested before you got big events. Your name had to be something out here before you got thrown on being being on big events and being on lineups. Yeah, I mean, the the wild thing that <laughs> you could put it in perspective for people, and we'll get we'll get fully into it like in a second. But like the to just to name like some names that we all know from a mainstream perspective and because they're sort of like, you know, East Coast sort of like started a lot of the the big names, like DJs being recognized by name and stuff like that. So right. just to reference some of the New York guys, you got to figure, just take the New York scene, right? Um, only because it was a little bit more headlining and a little bit more prominent than Philly. I'm not, everybody knows that Philly's the home of the DJ. We would chop up any DJ on the planet. I'm fully Flex. confident of that. It's not, let's get that super clear out there. Philly's fucking everybody up. Mm-hmm. But in terms of notoriety, fame and just reaching the masses, everybody knows that New York's got that, right? Right. So if you just look at the New York scene, you got to remember, like, guys like Cypher and, like, Enough, they had to beg Flex to get on, to open for him. Mm -hmm. They had to hope that Big Cap was going to be late, rest in peace. Right. Like, so that he couldn't make it on. Or like that Scoop wasn't going to make it that day. Or that some of these other big guys weren't going to make it so that they could get on. Like these are, this is DJ enough hoping to get on. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, like that's crazy. But it's what makes him who he is. You know what I mean? So obviously it's a different time. Obviously technology has a lot to do with it. Barriers to entry are lowered. Once people, same same way that... Um, and, and listen, we benefit from that as well. We wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right now if technology, you know, it, like, didn't make it easier for us. Right. right. If people can see my setup, it's simple as hell. Sure. Sure. And, 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 and that's why, and this is why I said that, to, just to go back to your original question on, on DJs and why I admire A-Track so much, A-Track and Jeff were both interviewed separately, and they both basically said the same thing. That's why I respect both of them. Because both of those guys are world champion DJs mm-hmm. in the 80s and, and you know, A-Track a little bit later. Excuse me. And at a very young age, same way, you know, Active was, shout out to Active, at a very young age, you know, world champion. And they had to do it the hard way. And now the kids are doing it the easy way. They have every right to be like, you know, you little whippersnappers don't know what I had to go through or like, you know, whatever they want to say, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, you know, because most people were like, oh, well, the technology makes it so much easier. You're right, it does make it easier, which means if you're good, now you're great. Right. 
Because if I'm already a good DJ, and I'm not saying I am, but I'm saying like take someone like A-Track, who's already an amazing DJ. And he's an amazing DJ with two vinyl records that you have to like switch out every time you want to change a song. Imagine how good he is when all he has to do is press three to four shortcut buttons. He's scratching with his left toenail at this point because right. you cats are still searching for your next song because you barely learn how to beat match. So like he's going to use that same technology. The same way Jeff, if you've ever watched like an actual video of Jeff performing live, he has all that technology. This is a guy who's been in the game forever. Mm-hmm. who's not a spring chicken by any means. He uses every ounce of technology possible, which is why he's still able to do what he's able to do because he's able to do all the Jazzy Jeff things tenfold because all that technology is like giving you three more like robot arms to be able to navigate that ship for right. everybody. You know what I mean? So as far as like the people, um, you know, being on the bills and, and quote unquote not deserving it, yeah, I mean, like, you feel the same frustration. One one ounce of, like, levity that I've found in the whole situation, or, or really one reality check you got to give yourself is this. Somebody's saying that about me. Just keep it funky. Somebody thinks I don't deserve what I've got. Right. Difference is I'll have an opportunity to prove them wrong. And you're not going to be able, you're not going to find many opportunities where after I'm done, you're going to say, see, told you he didn't deserve it. You're just going to say that initially because right. you're hating, and that's cool. Everybody hates. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to perform, and you're going to be like, all right. You might not be blown away, but you're not going to say that I don't deserve it anymore. I promise you that. I'll make sure of that. The ones who don't deserve it, they'll show you. They'll show you. And the example you're talking about and the gentleman you're talking about, and, and it's not just one person, but, I mean, like the idea and that scene that you're talking about, I was always questioned um, – about things like that and you've asked me but you're not the only person people other people have asked me i was never i'm i'm still not worried at all people will run their course like and that person as a dj ran his course definitely as a dj you're gonna find your way i'm not even like whether it's into um it's into hosting some people became artists you know wanted to create their own music some became producers some became, you know, more into fashion or tastemakers or event curators or whatever buzzword we want to come up with. Bro, I love DJing. I'm able to do other things. I really love DJing. Right. Like, I, I really enjoy doing it. I wish I had more time to do it. I wish I dedicated more time to it. But the fact of the matter is I love every second that I do spend on it. Uh, I don't find that I'm most effective when I'm trying to do eight different things. So I just choose to keep DJing. It's going pretty well for me. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? As far as those other people that are on those bills that may not deserve it, my only beef with that is when they do get these cosigns from these OGs, I don't mind that they put them on the bill. There's a lot of business behind that. Like, there's business. There's also a little bit of, like, an art of war aspect to it. Like, these guys aren't dumb. They're not just going to put a lineup of other DJs who could possibly be better than them that night. There's not, like, (laughs) they're not, you you see this DJ who's a good DJ, right? He's not just going to, if he needs two other DJs to play with him, like let's say like they want three, like the promoter wants three DJs on the bill. Mm-hmm. He's not just going to pick two cats that are just as good as him. Those guys might smoke him that night. Right. He's not going to set himself up like that. So he puts a couple lesser DJs on there. Cool. So now those lesser DJs are playing a club that maybe they, in, in your words, so to speak, don't deserve. That's not my issue. My issue is when, to, to flip it on like a corporate sense, 
they don't performance manage these DJs. So those cats step out of it. And that's what it is. They smashed. They didn't. And so they're forever going to be playing that same mediocre way or forever going to be playing a bunch of hit records on the opening set when they should have just been setting the mood or, or just in general playing inappropriate records or not reading the crowd or being trash in general, like just whatever. And there's no performance management. Some of these OGs that are co-signing these people are dope. Like, like the OGs themselves are amazing, better than me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But they're not pulling aside the younger ones. I know they're not because these guys aren't getting any better. Like I'm not saying you got to do it publicly. But. And that's the that's the thing about it right there because look, like I said, I don't have any problems with. If you, first of all, anybody starting out, you're not going to be the dopest out. I got that. Yeah. But the difference is, it's like I want people to be able to build and work towards these situations. Remember watching? Remember watching Juice? Always. Favorite movie of all time. I own three copies of it. Come on now. You see one it? in plastic because it's classic, man. I'm not joking. I, I really, really do. Yo, it's one of those flicks. So you've seen Q in his bedroom mm-hmm. working everything out for these tapes. And they all, all of them are in line. You know what I mean? When Q and Tifa at the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Giving them like, the, okay, you can go in. This sounds dope. That sounds dope. You know, yeah. even just... She got flexed the fuck out of there, And that was too. hilarious, yo. <laughs> got them out of there. But it was just that, it was just that vetting period that they had then that I think is missing now. And I, again, it's not, when I say that, your people don't deserve it. Like, listen, anybody that gets a blessing out here, mm-hmm. shout out to you, you run with it. But I do feel like some people are given like these boosts way too fast. I call it skipping the minor leagues. I say it all the time. Like That's, I, I tell my homies all the time, they're, yep. they're skipping the minor leagues. The problem is they don't realize they're doing a disservice to these kids. Because, like, I see it, it's not just, like, you know, like, I, I know the, the instances that you're talking about, or at least I think I do, and, like, we, you know, we bump into each other at certain places, and, and we see it, you know, live in, in, in concert, but then also, like, there's some, like, major nightclubs in Philadelphia and Atlantic City, and, and I'm positive in New York, because New York is the worst with it, because mm-hmm. um, New York is all about you know, who you know and appearances and how many tickets you sold and all that stuff, like way, way worse than Philly. There's kids that, like, there's such a drop-off for these kids. They have they literally have no idea where to go. Like, let's say they're playing at this major nightclub, mm-hmm. and which they, they don't deserve, but they're playing there for whatever reason that makes sense, whether they're dating one of the bartenders or they happen to be able to bring a lot of people out or they're cheap you know, whatever makes the most business sense to that, that club owner or that promoter, they, let's say that club closes tomorrow. Where are they going to go? They don't know how to market themselves. They haven't done an ounce of networking. They certainly don't have the skill. So it's not like they could just put together like, you know, like we're talking about like, you know, from Juice, like a demo tape or, you know, like whatever. That stuff's gone. Like that, you can't really showcase not in this climate of DJing, unless you are nasty, you're not really going to showcase what you can do on a demo at this point because that's not the climate of DJing. We, you know, clubs in general don't want that much cutting and, and different kind of like turntablism involved regardless. So you'd be sort of spinning your wheels if, if that's the way you went about it. But the bottom line is those kids don't do that anyway. So their brand of DJing, their value to said major nightclub is now null and void. It's like their whole resume just got burned in the trash. And I mean, not their whole resume, 
granted, they can say, hey, I used to spin here. But then you're going to move to major nightclub B. They're not going to know any of those nice things about you because you don't date one of the bartenders there. And you don't know the managers there. Now you just got a DJ. Right. And they're going to hear you and they're going to be like, you used to play over there? They booked you regularly? Why? Because, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as, as the saying goes. Right. Nothing there. And, and so now these kids have no idea where to go. Now they got to go get a job, which they should have had in the first place. But, or they could have it at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like, it, it's really doing them a disservice. Like, really, really doing them a disservice. That's, I'm, I'm saying that in defense of them. I'm not knocking any of these kids. It's, it's really setting them up for failure, personally. It's funny because me and a buddy, we were watching, um, we were discussing battle rap mm-hmm. last night and how there is like this, if you watch Smack URL or like, you know, the RBEs or anything like that. What's your favorite league? I want to interrupt you. What's your favorite? Because, you know, you and I are both enthusiasts, so. Oh, if I feel a battle rap league right now, yeah. it's tough because for. It's shifting right now, so. Yeah, because when I first got into it, I used to watch like jump off battles, right? Okay. Then I got into grind time. Okay. Grind Time was like everybody was on there. But I was also still watching the Smack DVDs. Right. URL was like my favorite for a minute. Right. Then I started going back to KOTD because KOTD had certain rappers I looked out that I enjoyed, like cast like 24 7, and it was a few other dudes here and there. Okay. But now it's tough, man, because I'm a big. All right. So I, you know I love West Coast hip hop, right? Right. I love the West Coast battle rap scene. Yeah. But it's tough, man, because like, I love them. I love RBE. Black Ice. There's a lot of people, man. I'm trying to figure out who the last battle I watched may have been the West Coast once. Because uh, Avocado, he does the Ruin Your Day joints, and he does. I don't think I know him. He had the battles at the bunker. Those battles are crazy out in um, out in L.A. or in the Bay Area. I was gonna say there was one in Oakland that they had that looked like it was almost like not like a boxing ring, but it was like a it was like a small square that they were in. Like the room itself was like somewhat small, but it had like a decently high ceiling. It was serious and uh, who's serious battle? I don't know. Did Fab host it? Mr. Fab, obviously. Um, did he host it? was it? There was one he did host that was like he threw on because um, like Arsenal was there. I think Arsenal battled Fab at this joint. That might have been it. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. like out, out in L.A. That was like I me mean, out, in, out in the Bay. It's like a one-time joint. Yep, 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 yep. But it's, it's tough, man, because I, like, I have rappers who I enjoy more than I like leagues. Yeah, that's that's my thing, too. But it, I, I can X certain leagues. Out. Like, I, I KOTD is not for me, personally. I just... It just depends on the battles. Because, like, early on, like, yeah, a lot of Canadian battle rappers, and I, was, I wasn't really a fan of. Right. There's one or two that I did enjoy. But, um, because their L.A., their, uh, what was it, Road Domination L.A. joint that yeah. they had recently, that was crazy to me. You know, this is going to sound funny, but you'll, you'll laugh because we can be open about this stuff. Oh, duh. As a spectator, it's even funnier as, like, a, you know, a white suburban-born spectator. Um... Well, it's not funny. It's, there's mathematics that supports it. Everybody knows that, you know, the majority of the people that bought NWAs and 
and Public Enemy's albums were white suburban kids, right? And Michael Eric Dyson wrote, wrote a whole entire book about you know white teenagers' fascination with hip hop culture. Okay, yes. so and you you know we're familiar with the book and with you know with his thoughts on it, whatever. So I'm a living proof of that. And that's, mm-hmm. I never tried to be anything that I'm not, still don't want to be anything that I'm not, but it's just is what it is. We are often fascinated by things that we have not lived and right. thankfully we'll never have to live, right? That being said, when I'm watching Battle Rap, there's something about, like take someone like Pat Stay, right? Pat Stay's a talented dude. Sucker free balls. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, okay. So Pat Stay is a talented dude. Mm-hmm. He can rap. Got charisma, can perform. He's huge. The guy's like six eight and could probably beat any battle rapper up. Yes. Right. If we're talking like if it ever came to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I say that to say that all of those things are essential when you're like trying to intimidate your opponent, like you know, in battle rap. But the fact, the overall, how do I say, lack of believability when a white guy says something aggressive because A, you don't believe he ever did it or ever would. It doesn't matter. You could tell me where he grew up. I don't care. I'm white. Mm-hmm. So I'm forever going to look at the white guy. I don't, I don't give a shit if you grew up in East Oakland. Like, you know, they tried to say about Crayshawn was allowed to say the N-word she grew up in East Oakland. First of all, she's not allowed to say it. I'll say she's not allowed to say it and then you can echo and say she's not allowed to no, say it. No, I'll say it. She's not allowed to say it. Was it her in V-Nasty? Period. Like, I, no, trust no. me, I've been given the past 4,082 times to say it. I've never said it. You're not allowed to say it. Period. So, <laughs> it's going to sound really dumb. The fact that he can't say it and the fact that, like, even if he let off the most illustrious of gun bars, no one would ever believe him. Which, by the way, he has the right to bear arms like anyone else. Right. I'm sure he can fire a gun just as well as anyone else. We just wouldn't believe him if he said it. So, I forever am going to prefer an MC who's not, who doesn't have a restrictor plate on, on that speedometer. Like... I'm going to believe every single solitary thing that the Hollow Don says. Also, Hollow Don might be one of the greatest, battle, if not the greatest battle rapper. I think of he's all most time. For, because he's lasted so long and he's very versatile. He's my DJ Scratch argument. He's good in every single category of his craft. Like, everyone. And gun bars, nerd raps. I've seen him battle all kinds of rappers. He's clever. He does Amazing. your style, raps yep. about girls. There's also the the street credibility of some of the things having some weight to it, mm-hmm. like the things he's saying he did, he does, like blah, blah, blah. You know, so that's a side note. Hollow, you're the man, right? And, you know, I, I, listen, I love Lux. Like, I love, like, all the all the greats. I mean, Hitman Hollow might still be my favorite. He's a like, great performer. Yes. So he, you, you did the best and favorite. Hitman Hollow is my favorite. I don't think he's the best. He's my favorite. My favorite battle rapper, man, god damn, is, all right, Hollow was probably one, it's a tie between Hollow and Averb. Those two are my favorites. This is why we're boys, because Averb's up there for me too, and I rotate. Like, Averb is so slept on to me. He gets in his own way, but he's too smooth for his own good. Like Right, like he might listen, because like besides the rap shit, you know, we aside, the reason why I mentioned battle rap in the first place is because there's a oh, yeah, point when they tend to like get these rappers from, from a PGs who are the beginning levels of rap and just toss them in, in against veterans and they get smashed. 
which I, I connect that towards how the DJs are the same thing. People just come out the PGs, go straight to the majors, and they burn out fast as hell. Right. But back to you know the battle rap, but Hollow and Averb, like with Averb to me, he called himself Captain Marketable. He knew how to play the hero yeah. and be the heel. Yeah. He mastered all of that. Even when it came down to him like being booed in New York, yeah. even that was like a marketing thing. Not not the internet. Yeah, that he K Shine battle, he ate it up in that K Shine battle. Yeah. yeah. But like he he knew how to use that. People in New York didn't like him. He was like, I know I'm know I'm getting biased out here. Treat me biasly. He but was killing K Shine. I don't give a fuck what anybody was saying. He was. He was killing him. But that's the thing that I like I liked about people who understand their placement. And know how, how to promote themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. who else besides, like, they like this antics, and that's something I can't really support like it that. sucks, man, because it he, really sucks because he can rap. He can rap his ass yeah, off. Sometimes the antics got in the way of his, like, of what he could do. But if you look at Hollow and Averb, Hollow has LOM clothing, loyalty over money. Yeah. He knew, he knows how to, he gives, he gives back to the community when he can, but he also knows how to, how to promote himself. This, the snow dad, like the LOM stuff. He knew how to promote himself on that tip. Didn't he make Psych I Lied t-shirts and sell them at the Clips battle too? Yeah, so for those who don't know, <laughs> Charlie Clips, had a, he's a battle rapper. He had a, uh, the, this uh, tagline, Psych I Lied. So genius. So someone was selling shirts outside of this venue before the Charlie Clips and Hollow battle. Right. And people were buying these shirts, so not cool. knowing that. Hollow made the shirts and pressed them up, and, oh. and he copyrighted did he copyright the... Uh, yeah, I think that's what he said in the battle. He, he copyrighted said. his logo, so that was all his. All the money he made from that, he got got from that. Yeah, it's genius. It was genius. So it's a lot of marketing. and being. It's kind of like battle rappers are just, to me, just very aggressive indie artists. Because mm-hmm. they're how they promote themselves. They have to do everything themselves. Right. Performances got to be on point. Because Verb, for, for the longest time, was the only one who made vlogs. Yeah, a promotional vlog. He promoted any battle he had against somebody coming up. Uh, his his vlogs about women and dating is a different realm altogether. Hilariously ignorant, but his promos for for rap battles, nothing has come close to that to this day. Yeah, it's like professional wrestling, it's right? Like the, the cutaways that they would do with the wrestlers and stuff like that. Right, yeah. he would he would do entire joints for battle T Rex. Yeah, <laughs> damn T Rex. Right, no, uh, was it Get Him Rex? So one of those two things. Don't like forget. He was doing one for, one for Rex. He had other ones for other rappers he was going at. Right. But he knew how to create the stage and build anticipation for it. Yeah. Like, he understood the game. Right. And I looked at that, even for me doing podcasting, I look at that and I'm like, yo, I can learn from that shit. Right. You can learn how it's, it's an added sense of hustling on that point. That's why I love this. That's why I love like this verb, even his ignorance, man. Like you ever listen to his interviews on like uh Angry Fan Radio or like PSA? Like Fifteen minutes of fame or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, it's dude just does not care. Yeah, no, he's real word. confident. Like he's and, confident. But if you're if you're not good and you're confident, I, I can't stand like one of the people that I can't stand his confidence level, I'm not even gonna say he's overrated. I just think Whatever, like it, it is what it is. When you're when you're affiliated with the, when you're when you sign yourself to the league that you're competing in, they have an obligation to themselves to promote you. So I get it, but I want you to guess who I'm talking about. Who do you think I'm going to say? 
Okay, signed. Now, there's a lot of people who now, are... he's signed to the league that, that he competes in. He's but he is extremely confident. But I don't think it's warranted from a rapping standpoint. Like I don't think he can rap. Goods? No, no, Goods isn't signed. Goods isn't signed. No, and the sad part is Goods probably raps better than everybody. I just don't like him. He just doesn't do anything for me. He's too Harlem for me. He's too smooth. He's too like he's, he's from the BX. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, I thought he acts like a Harlem dude though. He does. I do. I'm just yeah, smooth. yeah, yeah. He's too he's too Gucci for me. Yeah, I don't, too. And that's that's dope in in hip hop, but not in battle rap. I don't want that. Right. Who's signed? Because it got to be a recent like PG guy. No, it's, it's, not, it's a it's a guy who's been around, but it's not Tay Rock, right? Yeah, it's Tay Rock. Okay, hundred percent. Yo, it's funny because that's how reason why my my buddy got into it yesterday about battle raps because on Snapchat he had showed this clip of a Tay Rock battle. Right. I said he's all right. Thank you. I said he's all right. I'm not. I said he's not trash, but at the same time, I don't really see the the big to do. But then again. People just jump on waves. If someone tells you, yo, he's, he's the next one, you're going to ride this wave. Like when he battled against Hollow, or when he battled against, uh, who did he battle before Hollow? That everybody was like bigging him up for. Or when he went against Surf, it was, it was it was a battle right before Hollow. And everybody was like, oh my God, he's the greatest. But when I heard his bars, I said, I didn't really, I didn't really get it. And when he battled Hollow. Wait, is Hollow the battle that they made it rain on him? Or no, that was it. That was surf. That was surf. It was the, surf. Su- the Su's rendezvous bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he went against Hollow, it was just like, I like Hollow's bars a lot more. Oh, yeah. How, to me, I don't, it's not even a conversation. Hollow's just better than him. Like it, it and it shows when you when you match up against. It's like a it's like a ball player who only has handle who matches up against a ball player who has handle and can shoot and can pass and can right. and can do everything. You guys are going to look the same when it's just the handle, mm-hmm. but when you have to step up and do something else, it's not, it's not going to look the same. And Tay Rock only has aggression, right? Hollow also has aggression, but can do circles around him in the other categories. Wordplay. Other th- exactly. Right. But the, the problem and reason why Tay Rock has that, had that leverage in that battle against, uh, against Hollow was because of him and his ability. It was the fact that he had, Tay Rock is currently the king of, of the Smack URL stage. Meaning that, that fan base mm-hmm. of rappers, they're not for all the witty things that Hollow has done. Cause Hollow has been on other leagues where, he, where his pen has been challenged, you know what I mean? Like there's no one on the URL roster who has stood face to face with Immaculate and won. Right. You know, there's no one who's like, there's other rappers that he's battled that people in URL could not see. Bro, every one of Hollow's battles with the exception of... He lost to Arsenal, but that was that Fight Club stuff, and that was a weird setup for him from what I heard. Okay, so that was actually what I was just thinking of. Mm. Arsenal is his only unanimous loss ever. So he has a debatable classic every one of his battles. And that's insane. Like, there's not really another... Even Lux, who's amazing, has clear-cut losses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We know. And Clips, too. Right. Because for, exactly. for, for a while, I was, I was getting annoyed because people were acting like... Because what, what Clips is now... No, I'm sorry. What Tay Rock is now to URL is what Clips was at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, he was a champion. We love Clips. We love Clips. Yeah, like two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
But Clips had a time when he wasn't doing third rounds. Oh, yeah. And he had a lot of, like... It was freestyling every third round. Freestyle, yeah. Which is why that battle he had with, uh, with Hollow yeah. was one of my favorites. Because it, it was the uh, the Kit Kat bar. Mm-hmm. And he was... I forgot how, how that whole thing went, but he predicted his entire um, Clips' style yeah. of rapping. How he got to the punchline and all that. And I was like, yo, there was... I'd never seen a rapper, a battle rapper from URL approach someone that way before. Yeah, I mean, like, to bring it, it's funny, too, because, like, both of those points I can bring full circle to what we were talking about with DJing. First of all, with the intelligence thing, anytime you're intelligent or you challenge yourself to be intelligent, because, you know, it's it's an argument whether or not you're born with a certain amount of intelligence or whether you're able to nurture yourself, right. you know, through education or through sharpening your, you know, sharpening your sword, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, anytime intelligence comes into play, whether you're, you know, quarterback in the NFL, whether you're um, whether you're a DJ, whether you're an MC or whatever the case is, if you're intelligent, you're one step ahead of the competition, right? Facts. Charlie Charlie can wrap his ass off and he's clever enough to think of the lines. Obviously he's known for the rebuttals, known for the you know, for the freestyles and stuff like that. But if if Hollow can also do that and then already be thinking of his next move, mm-hmm. he can get you his chest, right? But that made me think of it with DJing too, it's the same way, like any strength I, that I find within myself or any strength I see another, you know, like a good DJ having is, is already kind of knowing what kind of a reaction you want to elicit from your crowd and or what kind of reaction you don't, what kind of direction you want to go in and, and be able to, you know, to basically dictate that, that all comes down to it. But the other point that I wanted to pull from the battle rap thing you were talking about, you were talking about Tayrock having that support. Tayrock has support because they want to make good with Tayrock. They want to make good with Smack, which means they're going to get booked more often. Because exactly. you're on Smack's good side. The only people that Smack books that aren't on his good side are the people who are undeniably good, which is, you know, like the hollows of the world. Like, yeah. hollow doesn't kiss Smack's ass. He doesn't have to because he's that good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it's funny because, like, the entire like St. Louis like squad like if you mm-hmm. I mean because B Magic has had his stumbles as of late but like when B Magic was I at his I hate when he chokes because he's so good but I hate when he chokes yeah so like let's keep it like even with uh, so pretty much Verb and Hot and um and Hitman yeah there was a time when they weren't on the good side because for for whatever reason and Verb was I mean because Hollow was more vocal about it. And then it got to a point when Verb was like, nah, man, so the NY stuff, nah. So I want to have a certain, you know, small room, whatever, right. and that crowd stuff, and I'm going to win. So, yeah, there was, you're right, there's a lot of people who aren't on Smack's good side always get, like, pushed to the side. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, just to take that to the DJing, though, like, you were saying, like, you know, Tayrock had, like, the stage support, basically. He, had, right. like, he, he would always have more rappers in his corner than you know, like somebody he was going against because rappers fucked with him, right? Right. Because they wanted, like, the street cred of being like, yo, I'm down with this crazy dude from Baltimore or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, too, like, people are going to feel more comfortable aligning themselves, even DJing-wise. Like, I see people either align themselves with the dopest DJ in the world, which makes sense for obvious reasons, right? Like, you know, you see, you know, and, and this is no knock on these people. It's not their fault at all. But, like, you know, it's it's a no-brainer for some, first of all, he's a very nice guy. Let's get it out that out the way. Shout out to Active. I'm using Active as an example, right? Because he's a pioneer in, in Philadelphia. One of the nicest Great guys dude. I've ever met in my life. Um, just been a big brother without me ever asking him to be, and just 
kind of always lended a hand, right? And just just been a great DJ. People want to align themselves to him. Sure, that's a that's a smart move. He's an amazing DJ. You could learn a ton from him, and mm-hmm. he's there's his skills are undoubted. They either do that smart move, or they just they go the completely opposite direction and align themselves with somebody who they're not threatened by at all. And I don't think people you know threatened by Tay Rock. My point is like you'll see a bunch of like people who aren't so great in their craft mm-hmm. aligning themselves together because they know not one of them is really doing anything that substantial. So they're not going to outshine one another at all. And so they're just all kind of in this safe paddle boat of mediocrity, just kind of, kind of moving along the waters. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of the two for me, at least that I've noticed. That's funny. You mentioned that, bro. People, uh, tend to go the opposite way, just be amongst mediocrity mm-hmm. because they don't want to have the challenge right. or have a reason to grow. And I look at that, you know, I see that in DJ culture, you know, I see that in rap, I see it in all forms of the arts. Mm-hmm. Like me, listen, like, I want to be put into a situation where my back is against the wall and I got to right. show and prove that I'm good at what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and I wish everybody had that 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 ambition but you know to be clear i'm not a battle dj to all the djs that will listen to this podcast no i'm not that dj is be like anytime anywhere i'll battle you it's not even about that now some of you i know i could chop you up but this was really not (laughs) my mentality like at all and and there's a bunch of people out there who could beat me and that's cool it's not why i do it i literally do it for the crowd i'm i'm competitive but i do it for the crowd i'm just saying when i say competitive i'm not saying like can you scratch better than me? Oh, I can scratch better than you. No, no, no. I'm just saying a lot of people operate in a safe space. It's like it's like people who, you know, people who work out at, I, I used to work out at Planet Fitness. People who work out at Planet Fitness because they want a judgment-free zone, right? I Right now I work out at a gym where I swear, maybe it's just my low self-esteem talking, but I, 75% of the people that work out in there are in better shape than me. And I don't think I'm in that bad shape. They're in way better shape than me. That shit motivates the hell out of me. I love that. It doesn't put me down at all. I'm like, all right, well, I got something to shoot for. I'm not going to reach the ceiling anytime soon. You know, Michael, you know, like Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. So right. it, if he said it, that's what it is. And I think that's oh, – I'm about to go down a quick rabbit hole, too. Here we go. So – You got it. What you're saying just now about, like, something to shoot for and how versus being a judgment-free zone. Right. I don't like judgment-free zones. Right. I don't like the safety net, but the safety net that's there, which is why I think people were kind of like up in arms about like Chappelle's uh, stand-up. I didn't see the newest, newest one yet. I'm mad Those two are dope. Netflix on point. So for me, I enjoyed them. But, you know, he said some things people were like, I got crazy offended by, right? Right. I'm like, whatever. And I've never been one to dismiss anyone's stories, never one to dismiss anyone's pain or their shit that they're going through in their life. Right. I'm very open to everything. But I feel like so many people want to have the safety or the privilege of not being offended out here. Yeah. But the truth is never going to be pretty. No. And you need to have things that are ugly to give you 
a reason to grow, you know, right. like a reason to understand the world that you're in. Because yeah. you're living in a place of like of daffodils and sunshine on 10% every day. Right. And you don't have any obstacles that are there or anything to learn from. You're going to stay in the same place you always were. And, and listen, if that's what you want, like. That's what you want. Yeah, it's cool. But like I need to have. I need to have these adversities in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Not all, I don't need like crazy adversities, but I need to have these things that I need to encounter in order for me to grow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lessons to learn, you know, and learn from people's stories and this and that. Like the world we live in right now, we live in a crazy time period. Yeah. In a crazy era in this country. And it's like, I could be sitting at home, like trying to ignore these things and you know, act like, oh, it's just too problematic. I'm like, but nah, I need these things. Right. I need to have these these people around me, you know, like as much as this, this might sound crazy, bro, it's like I need to have a Trump in office to show me what's really, really going on in this country. Because when we had Obama, everything was groovy on our side. Well, because it felt like a, a moral victory for, for exactly justice, yeah. exactly. We had somebody who was here who was like, yeah, he's you know he's a good dude. He, yeah, we could jump shot, you know, everybody yeah, loves yeah. us, and it was all good. But while, even while he was here, those problems that we had with the Trump supporters and people who are alt-right, whatever, yeah. they were always there. Yeah. It just wasn't seen on the mainstream because you didn't, have any, you didn't have someone who was at that level who represented who they were. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, and I, and I couldn't even imagine how it would feel as a black man to have the amount of overt, you know, hate, and racism come out, I would argue that I think for society's sake, there could be a happy medium in between the two. Like, I, I mean, I, I I acknowledge what you're saying about the utopia that Obama's presidency brought about in terms of people being like, oh, everything's all right, you know? But I think having someone in office who intentionally injects divisive speech mm -hmm. into the narrative is not okay. Yeah. Um, like, th listen, there can be somebody in office who... I see what you're saying, allows the horrible people of the world to really be themselves so they stop hiding. I, I get that. That brings reality yeah. about it. I, I get that. I just think we went a little bit too far. And by we, I mean him. Yeah, because cause, that whole entire thing, I just didn't understand how we went from having this yeah. Obama administration. We went from everybody being like, yo, we're in America, yo, he's our president. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all right to being... A year later, we're here now. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fall from grace that you that you always see, though. Like, there's – just look at the, the turnover of of presidencies. Like, um, I mean, you sort of had, like – so if you take uh, – when you take Reagan, Reagan and Bush Sr., you can just lump into the same 12 years because they served mm -hmm. under the same administration. But – so that's 12 years there, eight years of Clinton, mm -hmm. eight years of W. Right. Eight years of Obama. Hopefully just four years. About two years of, of this guy. Hopefully just not, yeah. Two years of this guy, two years of Pence. Um, and then we figure something out, right? right. And, you know, I, I joke to joke, but my point is, like, you you have that flip-flop because it's always like, look what they tried to do over the last eight years. It's an easy win. Like, I'm, it's forever, the, it's the dirty macking technique of being like, four years with that dude, he didn't treat you right, did he? Yep. Guess, who, 
guess who's going to, baby? Like, that's it's Dirty Mac and it's best. It's just politics. So it's like, you you know, it's it's always easy to look good when somebody else looks bad. And I don't think Obama looked bad. I think he made his mistakes. But I'm saying, like, it's also not going to be that hard to appeal to a large majority base. And it's also not going to be hard to vote in that person when the minority base also votes for him. Right. 35% Latino women, I'm looking at you. <laughs> like, right. You, and I, I spoke to some of my like very close Latino women friends, and they were disgusted at those numbers. Mm-hmm. That got him into office. Like, we already have a, a, a large majority. You know, people forget, because we're coastal, there's a giant center of this country. Okay? Middle America. Middle America. Flex. And Middle America is... It, they don't even have to campaign. They don't even go to Oklahoma because they don't need to. That's how the strong the support is. Do you have any Facts. idea how crazy that is? We're out here talking about, you know, friggin' Jersey and PA and even Ohio, whatever. They don't even go to Oklahoma. You know how scary that is to have such blind support from people? Like, that, that doesn't frighten anybody. That there's people who just are there, ready to click vote mm-hmm. off of nothing. You know what I mean? Like, so... Imagine that and just imagine it growing. Because all you have to say is like, I mean, listen, the, the, the people who have always gotten it right for whatever reason are like, you know, the Simpsons and the family guys of the world like with their political cartoons and stuff like that. And I think uh, when Lois Griffin, the episode of Family Guy, when Lois Griffin wanted to run for mayor and she was trying to run like an honest campaign and the person she was running against, or I guess Mayor West, was trying to get the crowd's attention. Mm-hmm. And every now and then he would just say like 9-11. Just say those, just say that number. And the crowd would go nuts. And she was like, well, you know, I think it's important that we, uh, you know, build a foundation for our youth and uh, better education programs and public policy and blah, 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 blah. Crowd, crickets. She was like, uh, 9-11? Crowds went nuts. And you, know, you hear like the side chatter in the crowd. Like she really cares about our country. You guys don't realize that's exactly what just happened? Right. All you did was appeal to the poor and dis- disenfranchised, and all you have to do is say to them, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, all you got to no. do is say to them, don't you feel underappreciated? Up until that point that you said that to them, they weren't even thinking about that. But because you're appealing to a lower intelligence quotient and lack of free thinking in their life in general, because they don't live a lifestyle that would promote free thinking as much as you know someone like you or I or creative people would, they were like, well, I wasn't thinking about it before, but I darn sure don't feel like thinking about it again. I like that you were thinking for me. Sorry, Middle America, for my impersonation of your accent, but I really don't know what else to talk like when I'm impersonating right. you. That really isn't a Middle America impersonation. That's an impersonation of any ignorant person who allows somebody else to think for them, to be clear. But the second somebody implants that in your head, if you're not a free-thinking person prior to that, like if somebody says that to me, I would think about it. And then if it applied to my life, I would agree. If mm-hmm. it didn't, I would say no thank you. But I've been a free thinker since I was a kid. Right. I'm wearing you know, two different color shell toes because I felt like it, not because somebody else told me to, to bring it back to hip-hop. God damn it. <laughs> but I respect that. So, again, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier about like, so I need him. First of all, I don't, I'm not a Trump supporter. I voted you know, for, for Hillary and all that. So you all know that, that from right now, okay? I don't right. know everybody sending me crazy emails. But I'm saying that I said, like, Again, in terms of like meeting people there, it's like I was like I want to be able to be able to see what's really out there. 
Because I remember when Trump went on, uh, he went somewhere. He might have been to Alabama. He said, yeah, I like the highly educated. Yeah, look down. I like the poorly educated. They were like, yeah. I'm like, he just pretty much said that he likes y'all. He said, yeah, he said they're his favorite. He got his favorite because you guys, you guys are dumb. That's why he, he was like, yeah, I like dumb people. They're going to vote for me, man. Yeah. And people were like, yeah. Like you said, I mentioned earlier, people were all like, yeah, he's going to be my president. He's going to work for me. I'm like, no, he's not. The money, money talks. Y'all don't have no money. My biggest beef with, uh, with this wave, this you know the MAGA wave and the, and the Trump wave, and I say this to people's faces. Ugly um, ass hats. What's that? Ugly ass hats. <laughs> there are some weak ass hats too. Of all the great hat technologies we have out nowadays, they got those ones that you get free for like getting a certain amount of Castor Oil GTX oil from like a gas station or something. You know exactly which hats. My grandfather used to wear those hats. Um, yeah, they're terrible. So what my beef is always. I say this to people's faces. I'm never mad that you voted Republican. Discouraged, maybe, confused sometimes. Never mad that you voted Republican. I'm mad that you voted for Donald Trump. Right. And that's... and Because I, when people say... Like, when they passionately say something like, Donald Trump is my fucking president, and, you know, they're, like, super passionate about it. I said, I want you to calm down. I want you to listen to what I'm saying and then listen to what you're saying. If... If Marty McFly was with us right now, we had the flux capacitor, and I took you back. I'm talking to like adults, not younger people. They're just following what their parents and their grandparents are doing. But I'm talking people our age and older. Mm-hmm. If I took you back 10 years in time, and I told you, forget, you don't even know Obama exists. Forget about that. Because I don't think people would be able to think with much of a clear mind if they weren't doing it in such retaliation to what they felt Obama did or didn't do, right? Mm-hmm. If I took those same pro-Trump people, not Republicans, pro-Trump people, because I think there's a difference. And I took them in the time machine 10 years prior, and I showed them, you know, Christmas, like the Christmas carol, right? Walk them through the, you know, the ghost of Christmas past or future, or whatever one it would be, and showed them a video of themselves saying that. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here, man. I didn't say that. Like, but you did. Mm-hmm. So I said, you yourself would find it unbelievable that you're supporting that person. You're so blind to your party that you're supporting that person. Like, I'm upset that you're supporting that person Mm -hmm. because that person blindly supports hate. That person blindly supports, or not blindly, openly supports misogyny. That person supports foreign powers that could bring harm to our country. Facts. The Republican Party doesn't do that. I mean, listen, the Republican and Democratic Party have done both of those crazy shit, yeah. Right. So, like, this is not a party thing. I just know that that person did that, and their argument is always, but Hillary, I'm like, that's... No, but, no, Didn't but say you vote for her. I'm just saying you shouldn't have voted for him. Right. You, you are supporting this person. Like, it's it's wild. Or like, I'll I'll criticize them for, and we don't have to make this an anti-Trump thing. I don't give a shit about them. But they're, I'll say things about how poor of a human being he is, which I barely think he is a human being. And they'll be like, but Obama. I'm like, who the hell brought up Obama? Well, that's the thing about like, like stand by your man. Yeah. Stand by your man. Your man's like, oh, well, what about he did this, he did that, or she did this. No, fuck that. Right. Focus on your man over there. I got a beef with people who cheer against the other sports team and not for their own. I'll never understand that. I'm at a sporting event, mm-hmm. and like, their team will be winning, and they'll be cheering against the team that's losing. Like, you know, the opposing team's fans, like, they're starting to fight with them. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just cheer for your team? That seems like more fun. Y'all are winning anyway, so cheer for them like cheer 
you know, if, if you're listen, if policies are being put in place that fortify your beliefs, mm-hmm. cool, whatever. I, there's going to be a new political cycle that's coming around. It's going to reverse them anyway, and it's and I hope that nobody's harmed in the process. That's right. all I can say. Right. So if you don't believe in abortion, but somebody else does. I feel for any of the women whose rights to their own body and their privacy has been violated in the process of that. I personally think it's their choice, but I'm not a politician, nor do I am a lobbyist or push public policy. Mm-hmm. But if that's a policy change that we're making, and and your party is a part of that, uh, like I said, I'm still siding with the women on this one, but that's public policy being changed. Openly supporting very divisive and hateful speech for people who, you know, we, we give people way too much credit for being able to think for themselves, like I said. And, you know, the, the number of people who do think for themselves is a minority. It's, 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 it's a very small number. And so we can't say, like, you know, you, you can't assume that people understand the nuance in your voice, like, or in, in, in your message. It's, they don't. And so we can't just say, well, they'll figure it out. No, they won't. They're going to blindly follow you. Like many people have blindly followed before, a la Germany in, in the 30s. Like, it happens. People want leaders. That's why there are leaders. That's why there are people who are born to be leaders. And unfortunately, not all of those people who are born to be leaders have the best intentions in mind. Not everybody is Mandela. Right. You know? Like, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's funny. I, I mentioned, um, this is coming from me from, you know, standpoint of a, you know, of a black man in America. It was very troubling for me because it's somebody that I know, you know, um, I'm not going to say what relation. Nobody in my family. Right. You know, somebody, you know, I'll fuck it. I'll say it. Somebody I, I worked with. Right. Right. So y'all know where I work, so it's all good. I can't get snitched on. So this cat, is an older black man. He's about a little, a little older than my father, maybe a year or two older than my father. And he was a Republican. Right. And he voted for Trump. Right. And I couldn't believe it. I sat there at work and I couldn't, I couldn't really talk to him. Right. The other um, brother on the team wouldn't even make, wouldn't even look at him. Right. Cause it was like a tough line. It was like, dude, and I and I asked him, well, well, you know, I'm just tired of the Clintons. I'm like, cool, you could be tired of the Clintons, yeah. but it doesn't mean you got to vote for this dude over here. Yeah, you feel me? Like, you, you, you have a choice. Yeah, democracy is a crazy thing, man. Right? People say like, get some voting. Yes, everyone should vote, but it's because you 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 can vote doesn't mean you you actually should go through with it if your only option is this guy right here. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. Then don't vote then. Yeah. People always say, yeah, vote, voting, yes. But if, if your only option is this orange-headed dude over here, right? then yo, don't do it. Exercise your right to say no and sit your ass down somewhere. I, I, I can't even imagine, like, once again, it goes back to person or party, right? Like, mm-hmm. someone being like, well... I, you know, people are very monolithic in, in their thoughts. So it's like, I like guns. 
I'm not saying that, by the way. I'm not against. <laughs> by the way, I'm not pro gun or anything. Like, that sounds crazy. I was like, I like. Guns. No, no, sorry, that was an impersonation of someone no. who likes guns. <laughs> I no. And, and with that said, by the way, I'm I support the Second Amendment. I don't own any guns, but I believe people should have the right to. I think we need to to control access to them. So right. get that get that that PSA out of the way. My point is, take someone who likes guns, right? right. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, okay, that's my platform topic that's important to me. Then they're going to look on a checklist or a Venn diagram, and they're going to say, which party supports gun laws? Okay, Republicans support the right to bear arms? Okay, well, I'm just going to vote Republican then. Who's running Republican for president? Donald Trump, huh? That's weird. The guy from reality TV. All right, but wait, but you said Republican supports supports the right to bear arms, right? right, Yeah, I guess I got to vote for Donald Trump then. That's crazy. No, you don't. (laughs) Like, you don't have to. And what's even funnier is that everybody says, yeah, Second Amendment, right to bear arms, right? But they don't know the entire Second Amendment, you know, or or understand when it was written and what it really applied to. You're talking about the first 10 amendments with the Bill of Rights. And those were written during what? The Revolutionary War. Yeah, all men were not exactly created equal. Exactly. So yeah, with the Second Amendment, and people don't know what what it really means in terms of, you know, like for the right to bear arms in terms right. of militias and all that. So we have these old school rules that people are still trying to apply to this era. Yeah. But they don't really know what it's all about. So, you know, it's just a weird, weird world that we're living in right now, you know? Do you see that uh that gun control commercial? Um where the dude, I don't mean to make light of it because I hope nobody gets involved in workplace violence, but it's like the disgruntled, fired co-worker, and he comes back in to basically shoot up his office, but he, he does so with a musket, like an old-school, like, 10-foot-long musket. So he comes through, and everybody's like, he's got a gun. And he lets off, like, one of the musket balls misses, obviously, because mm-hmm. they don't have much accuracy to put, like, a hole in the wall somewhere. Right. Everybody's scattering and running around, it's taking home me like 15 minutes, fill the musket back up, yeah. I put the powder back in there, it's pushing it down and everything. And it, like, you know, the caption or the slogan of the whole commercial at the end was just like, you know, our current gun laws were created when this was the type of guns available for people. Right. It's like, listen, man, that's all I'm saying. Let's just, let's just really think about what we're talking about here. Well, you can have, you know, as many muskets as you want. You can have as many anything as you want. It's, let's just... I don't know. I mean, we we can go on forever about it, but it's but, I just I just want people to not harm each other. I really don't care what they have in their house. Right, and I think one of the key things we need to understand that's very like necessary in our dialogue is to like, we need to have open communication. We need to be able to talk about these things. Right. You know, not just because our backgrounds are different. We need to be able to talk shit out yeah. and not just be coming from an ego place. You know. Also, I think it's very important to understand screening for mental illness before you even buy shit like this. Yeah, of course. Hands on guns. It's a lot to, to, to go into it, but you know, I'm not going to go into it right now because shit, shit got dark real quick on the podcast. You know? I got to bring it back to, back, <laughs> back to yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. You know, back, sure. back to light. All right, two words. Read the aura. That, I mean, that's going to brighten up anybody's day. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Visually, yes, but I think we can acknowledge that she's probably got a touch of crazy. We were discussing this off air, but like, she's got to be a little bit crazy. A mm. little bit. 
Because, like, I mean, listen. Okay, disclaimer. Cheating is bad. That's first disclaimer. And uh, I should let you do this other disclaimer because it's a very popular hashtag right now. But I'm going to spoon feed this one for you. Black men don't cheat. I was trying to oh, help yeah. you out. Hashtag, yeah, there black men don't cheat. There you go. Shout out to Clint Coley. Shout out to Carlos Miller. Apparently, black men don't cheat. That's fantastic. DJ Mike Lowry doesn't cheat either. That's my own hashtag. But that being said, she's gotten many a man to stray, okay? And no amount of good looks or, you know, as, as the streets say, good box or whatever the hell you want to say, that's not what's getting you to cheat. There's got to be a touch of, like, crazy... Slash like allure that's getting these men to make that move. She's beautiful. Yeah, and she's incredibly talented and all that other stuff. I love her accent, bro. But there's plenty of beautiful women with that accent and the hair, eyes, hip to waist ratio, whatever. Just go on the explore page. Not my explore page, of course. My explore page is filled with pictures of DJing and, and puppies. Of course, this- and stuff like that because it's relatable. It's an algorithm. And whatever. Don't anyway, look at my explore page. Exactly. Don't, don't even come over it's here. Savagery. Actually, yes. I, just while we're on here, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up my explore page, so we can see what we're working with here. What? Let's see. Yeah, look at that. Pre PG. I like it. Proud of myself. Oh man, hold on. See. All right. Well, Let's no. See. Nope, not quite. But still. Oh yeah. Yep. I got. Hey, I got. Biggie on here. I got right. Prodigy on my explore page, 50 Cent. I got... Damn, I like yours. You got and trade. mine's... Got some, the further I go down, there's, there's a puppy there. That's, yep, I got some puppies. I got the NBA all over I got it. Mace, I got Nas, and I got uh, some weird, freaky stuff. All right, let's put the phone down. <laughs> I mean, one time, I was, on, like, I was on the trolley coming downtown. I was looking at my phone. I was scrolling through my Instagram. Yeah. Yo. I hate that. Because I don't mean to open up the picture that I just opened up. Right. I was scrolling up, and I, I'm like, oh. I raised my phone down lower. Right. To, to the side. Still looked at the picture. Yeah, you're not going to miss. you got to, yeah. Thoroughly examine it. Because you're not going to be able to remember to go back and double tap later on. So Exactly. you got to toss that like out there. I got, I got, I got to do it, bro. It's got to happen. It's for the culture. All right. Oh, yeah, so building off from, like, from Rita, right? This is a quick discouragement, you know, excursion, sure, sure. whatever. So I made a post. On Facebook, I'm always writing posts on Facebook. Right. I keep, how people know me, man, right. for, for the most part. And it was about dating in Philly. Okay. Did you see this post? I've seen many a post like that, but was this one more funny or was this one serious? It was funny. It was kind of funny. I mean, to me, it was funny. I always said, like I said, dating in Philly is kind of like, it's kind of like, man, it's kind of like, yo, it's kind of like kind of a trash thing here almost for me, I said. Okay, I think I remember seeing this. Yeah, and people were agreeing like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, I don't even date in Philly, blah, blah, blah. And I said to myself, listen, look, man, I'm not coming from an outside point of view, me saying like going on one date, like, yo, it's trash out here. Right. Nah, I've been in these streets for more than a fortnight, my brother. You sure. know what I'm saying? One and of my favorite words. Yeah. Well, fortnight? Yeah. Fortnite is awesome, man. It's a great word. You know what I mean? So, like, I've been here, and I've gone through – like the the scene and the seeing different people and like right it's just it's just been it's just been rough out here cuz mm-hmm. you know so when i see you with your situation you, you got pit bulls word 
Oh yeah, shit! No, I'm single. I've been single for a minute. It's all good. Hey, god damn it! You want? Are oh, you want me to be the poster child for a positive relationship? God, yo, man, it's, it's so no, it's all good. I, listen, me and her are still very cool. I shout out to you know um, what I mean. Still, still got the dogs though, right? I, I do. Yeah. All right, yeah. come on now. Come on now. We're all right. Because me and Mike, we bond over our love for, for pits, man, and dogs in general. Yeah. But pit and you know, and oh, man. Shout out. It's all good. No, no, we, uh, we broke up a while ago, but it's not. We're, we're still friends. We're still wow. close. Wow. Podcast cool. exclusive. Dang. It is. You know what? It probably isn't exclusive. What's funny is everybody that finds out has that same reaction because the difference is, like, I don't move any differently. Um, like, when I was with her, you know, I moved a certain way because I, I had a girlfriend. Yeah. I don't. Unless you know me privately, I don't move any differently in, in my private life. Like it's not, and there's plenty of people that tell me like they just assume that me and her are still together, and and that's okay. They can assume that. I don't. I don't really care because I'm not. You know, I'm not. First of all, I'm 34, so like I'm not gonna be, you know, on like Instagram live. Mm-hmm. You know, like I laugh at these rappers that that post these like quick snaps and then take them down, talking about like oh I'm single now. Like, these, these are men. Like you know, women, men, you want to do that? Like go ahead. And if she wanted to do that or if, if she wants to declare the people that she's saying, I'm not telling you that when her and I first broke up that I didn't tell certain people. Like when you go through a breakup, there's a it's a it's a interesting feeling in general, right? So like you're gonna be quick as soon as you break up to be like, I'm single now. And then you're like, What does that really mean? Right? And then eventually it all levels out and you gain a respect for each other and your respect for yourself and you calm down a little bit. But like, am I single? Yes. Do people know that? Yes. Um, but it's, I put it this way, you didn't know and you know me. So like, aside from maybe you not seeing like her face on my social network or anything like that. And that's what it was. But aside from that, you don't, do I move any differently? Nah. Did you see anybody else's face on my social media? Nah. Okay. And you won't. (laughs) And see, that's the thing about it. And I respect that because listen, social media for me, like I don't put none of my business on social media, you know, for all people know. I could be like just a very cultured version on for on social media because right. I you, I never posted, I only posted like my, my ex on there when I you know we were together. Yeah, when you guys were living down south, right? Yeah, yeah. But beforehand, after like you never saw whoever I was talking to on my social media. Right. Likewise, never saw it. So because yeah. me and you were cool, but even I would never be like, Yo, Mike, Yo, where's uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where's she at, man? I don't see no pictures of it. What's up? Yeah. I don't do that because it ain't none of my business. You know what right. I mean? In my mind, I'm like, cool, he's doing his thing. You know what I mean? My man got, got the puppies over there. You yeah, know? Yeah. That's that's life right there. Yeah. Because yeah. right now, dog, I'm like, I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm just, I don't know what I am, be out here. Pause, let me fix that and change that. Sounds crazy as hell. <laughs> like, in terms of me being out here, like, either you trying to find, you know, the right date or am I cool with being by myself right now? I'm cool being my, by myself because I've always been at, Sure, yeah, same here. I'm only child, B, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so this yeah. is the world I, I live in. But looking around for, like, prospects in the city is, like, trying to find, you know, an invisible needle in a haystack, bro. Yeah, it's different. It's different, too, like, with our age and also, like. Yeah, niggas old as hell. I mean, listen, it's up. I'm going to make a joke about it. Like, we are old as hell, but we we, you know, we don't always look it. And so that, it's not like we're just out here like 
you know, playing senior citizens homes. Like, you know, we still might get approached by someone who's much younger than us, right? Like, I'm sure you still get approached by people, you know, girls who are younger. Yeah. I still get approached, being in nightlife, get approached by, by girls who are younger than me. And, mm. and it's, there's that, there's age, there's also like a desired level of intellect that we would need from the girl that, that we're talking to. Um, and, and also too, man, like, uh, with that age, difference and I've had you know had these conversations with my ex and have these conversations with 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 women in general and I'm you know I'm not dating it's not you know it's not something that I'm actually like I need to find a girlfriend or this or that it's not really my mo but like in my life period I've had these conversations when when like I've come across like a younger girl Mm -hmm. take Maxwell's song pretty wings right he didn't want to let her go right had to let her spread those pretty wings it was what it was Maxwell's a genius but um, and he will still take your girl. Still gonna do it. Game. Um, so, like, it, it's t- it's tough. I mean, if you're really listen, if you really want to find someone, like really, this is gonna sound crazy. Not crazy, but it's gonna sound like like all right, duh, Mike is saying a hot take. Go on a dating site. I'm just keeping it funky. Like, go on a dating site. Pay for the membership. Go on one of the ones where you actually got to pay for it. Fill some, out. Fr- some free joints is, is, is where it's... Uh, come on. You're just trying to fuck. Yeah, like, was, come on. Sorry. Excuse my language, listen. But, but, like, that's all you're trying to do. You And like, I have. What's that? Well, nothing. Go hey, ahead. listen. Man, get go ahead, you got to get yours. You got to Yo, get yours. But like all those... Keep it funky. That's actually the funny part. Like I'm not a member of any of those. I never have been. I, was, right. I got into a, a serious relationship and was for over three years for literally the entire time that they rose to popularity. Mm-hmm. So like, I never, you know, it just never, people were like, oh, I'm swiping right. I'm like, I knew what it was, but it, I was in a relationship. I never had a reason for it. And now I don't see a reason for it either. It's not like I, that's what I mean. Like when I, the reason why people didn't know that I was single is because I didn't, like, we didn't break up and I I opened a Tinder account the next day. Like, it's just it's like, so like, oh, Mike's back out here. Like, no, it's, it's not, like how corny would that be? Like, it's not, it wouldn't be respectful to myself, wouldn't be respectful to her. Uh, to my knowledge, she doesn't have a Tinder account. I don't care if she does, but it's not how I'm moving out here, guys. So you might never know that I'm single, but you know that's okay I'm, with me. You know how I'm over here laughing at that? What's that? Because as soon as I got back off the plane back in Philly, I thought after the breakup, we live in down south. Yeah. That's the first thing I did. I'm like, okay, Cupid, I'm back. I mean, back, baby, I'm back. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm like, sad as a motherfucker, man. I'm sorry. Fake ass smiles on the website. I'm like, man. No, I shouldn't I shouldn't did it, but it was just like, no, nah, sometimes that bounce back's necessary, though. I mean, it's you know, it, it it's it's sometimes necessary. But if you know, do that, pay pay the fee, meet the person, and yep. then take that situation seriously. Like take it take it like a take it like a job, take it like anything else. Or or if you want to play around, play around. Play there's plenty of shit to play around. One point five million people in the city. You can play around all day, and they're you know, depending on what you do, what you involve yourself in, what circles you go in, you're forever gonna. You're going to do two things in this city. You're forever going to see the same people, and you're forever going to meet new people. I know that sounds like a crazy oxymoron, but it's the truth. Like, I'm forever bumping into the same people, and I'm forever meeting a new person every day. So, like, whatever. Uh, th- th- there's never a, you know, there, there's never, like, a, a, a next chapter that, ca- that can't unfold. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a believer, and I haven't always made the right decisions, and I haven't always done right by myself or by other people, mm-hmm. you know, in relationships, and that's how we all learn, whatever. But if you're doing you, quote unquote, and you're on that path, 
and somebody else is doing them. And while you may think you're both going in a straight line, it may be one of you know one or two of your lines might be more diagonal than you think. You're going to collide eventually. Mm-hmm. So you're going to collide with whoever that person is. And that goes back to your original point that opened this podcast about Michael Corleone. Is like that's really when you're going to find that person. Like not when you're looking left. Why did I forget the character's name? Uh, okay. Kate, yeah, yeah, I think he was looking left when he mm-hmm. saw Kate. She wasn't going side by side with him. What? No way. He just looked left, saw a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. And we all look left and see a pretty girl, or, or you know, or whatever you're into, you look left and see, you know, handsome gentleman, whatever. You, we always see that. Just recognize how hard your head is turned when you're looking. And that's you know that like. I'm going to get super deep. Like I said, I used to be a rapper. No, but, bars, but, come on. But listen, listen to these bars. Listen. You know, they say like, like, oh, sure, he was bad. She turned heads. That's exactly what she did. She turned you straight off your square. You looked completely left and saw her. You didn't bump into her. She was so bad, she turned your head. So you looked a 90 degrees to the left. That's dope. Is she moving or is she standing right there? If she's moving, then all right. Then y'all ride together. But if she was bad enough to turn heads, that might mean she was standing still and she was on a whole different plane than you. Look, man, what you just said just now, man. I don't rap anymore, so it's not, it's Dude, not going to be a like, song anytime soon. But like the bars, the gems you just dropped, man. <laughs> like, that's damn near Negro spiritual right there, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, we shall too overcome bad dating. So that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's game, man. You know, somebody asked you, Few more things because sure, sure. we took a full circle with that. That was beautiful, Thanks, man. man. Thanks. You know what I mean? Shout out because bars. You know what I'm saying? Media training. Yeah. That's right. Shout out. To <laughs> Done a few interviews. So, dude. So, are you a fan of people coming up to you while you're DJing, asking you for requests? Uh, I see the memes everywhere, and I know y'all hate that shit. The memes are true. It's yes and no. I laugh at the DJs who are so adamant against it because mm-hmm. I promise you guys are scared. Like I, I'm, and I'm like the DJs who are like, I'm playing such and such tonight, no requests. I know that tells me, okay. And by the way, there's some great DJs who say that. So this is not knock against those guys. Right. Those great DJs know who they are and those great DJs should not be disrespected. I think there's a time and a place. If you are, if you're going to see, you're, you're a fan of the culture so I can, I can drop some parties to you and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're going to see the originals, mm-hmm. you're going to see, you know, Clark Kent and for those I mean, I could drop it to you. We might as well tell the listeners. If you're going to see DJ Clark Kent, Rich Medina, Tony Touch, uh, Stretch Armstrong, and DJ D-Nice, if you make a request, you should be asked to leave the building. You are going to see five of the greatest hip-hop luminaries and DJs in the history of our culture. Mm -hmm. You, I would assume, unless you just got a free drink pass, I would assume you went there specifically to see them. So let them do their thing. Please. I don't care if they're spinning on vinyl, Serato, or CDJs. I don't care. Let them do their thing. However, if you are a patron at a downtown nightclub, and you were going to that downtown nightclub just because that's what downtown nightclub you and your girls were going to that night, and you just so happened to see my dumb ass in the DJ booth, you didn't go there to see me, and you want to hear a certain song, you request it. I mean, the, the, the famous question I always get when we come up to my booth, and it's, predominantly girls that, that do it because they think that's the angle, I guess. They'll say, can I make a request? That's the equivalent of saying, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but 
You might as well just say the request. Now, granted, I appreciate the pleasantry, like the, the you not being rude and just mm-hmm. yelling the song at me. But like, <laughs> you already, yes, it, yes, go ahead. It doesn't mean that I'm going to play it, but you can make the request. The reason why I say that some DJs are scared and why they're insecure by like going out of their way. You've seen the DJ's posts like, yo, I'm spinning such and such tonight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no requests. Just dance. Guys, I'm old, okay? I started DJing in 99. I know there's a bunch of people out there who started DJing long before me, but my point is I started DJing with vinyl records. Mm-hmm. The reason why I make mention of that is it doesn't make me any more of a real DJ. It doesn't make me a better DJ. What it makes me is a DJ who was DJing when the crowd didn't have a choice but to listen to what the hell I was playing. I went there with however many crates of records I had, not much back then. They knew that's what they were getting for the night. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the crowd was more respectful. They could make a request. Be like, Mike, do you have this record? I don't. Sorry. Wasn't any option to download it. Couldn't stream YouTube. No Spotify. No nothing. No aux cord. No nothing. Right. Right? So all the DJs who look back like, man, I remember when crowds were crowds. And, and we, we've talked about this. And we, we were somewhat on opposite sides of the fence because you're such a fan of the culture that, and I, and I don't mind. We agree so much. I don't mind when we disagree. But like, you're so much a fan of the culture that I think oftentimes when you and I have talked about it, like, cause we've talked about like curating like events and stuff like that. Mm. And like, I wish like there was an event where like people really respected this. And I think, I think there still can. And I think me and you got some work to do, you know, off air. Oh yeah. But like for all the people who are like, man, I miss when crowds, when nobody requested songs or when nobody paid attention to their phones or when people respected the DJ or when the DJ was real or, you know, and we can get back into that. We'll get back into that real DJing thing in a minute too. Cause it's a funny world we live in. Both sides can be wrong by the way. Like, and both sides can be right. Mm. Um, but with the request, you know, it's really simple. Back then, they didn't even know the songs I was playing. I was playing, bring it full circle again, I was playing that country grammar record in Reading, Pennsylvania to crowds who had never heard it before. Mm-hmm. They were partying to that shit because it's such a hard record. Mm-hmm. It's still a hard record. But I had to play that song. Like I'm playing, you know, icons get crunked up. As like my man, listen. When I tell you that song touches my heart, it touches my heart. Get crumped up. That was it a touches tip, my whole all four like chambers of the heart. Like, bro, <laughs> like I'd, I'll break something right now when that song comes on. So like, I'm playing that song to. And it doesn't make me a visionary, by the way. I just took some chances as a DJ. It is what it is. But my point is, they had to take it. They there was no option. There was no computer up there. As soon as that computer goes up there you now have a world of limitless possibilities to that crap. So they're not looking at you like you're this visionary and this tastemaker. You're looking at, they're looking at you like you have iTunes just like they do. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is DJ so well, they forget about whatever song they wanted to hear. That's it. That's it. Or I mean, eventually, listen, I've absolutely told people to go fuck themselves in so many words. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. or like I, or like people, you know, you know who, you know who I hate request wise It's the people who think they're being like so different or the people who don't really recognize where they're at. Like guys, you got to call a spade a spade. Like the, the world is what the world is. Like if I'm in a, a, a really mainstream or, you know, if that's a euphemism for white, whatever the case is downtown club. And you're asking me for like the most specific bachata record that you've ever heard and like you and your TT used to dance to this song and it is like the most amazing song ever. I probably think it's beautiful. It doesn't mean I could play it right now. Right. 
And that's why I like it's not, you know, is a DJ and not a jukebox. And to, to those guys who get so mad about requests, I, I'm with them on that. Everything should be appropriate. Like, everything should be appropriate for the venue. Mm-hmm. Also, the people I hate, listen, guys, I'm a hip-hop head through and through. Mike will tell you that. I'm, I'm a head for real, Facts. for real. You coming up to me and asking me for halftime off of Illmatic doesn't make you a real hip-hop head. It makes you an idiot. We're in a club, and we're trying to dance. Like, come on. Like, what, what are we supposed to hug now? Because we both love, I love that album. Like, we're, we're supposed to hug now. Like, because now I know that you also know hip-hop. Or like you were hoping that maybe I didn't know what that song was. Like, come on, stop. Now, if somebody says to me, like, yo, I bet you can't work in, I don't know, like, Ocknelly, put it in your mouth. I'm like, I bet you I can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that, shock value records like that, okay, cool, we can get busy. I, that's why I say some of the DJs are scared because they're not willing to take the challenges. That being said, not all requests are good requests. They're bad. You you need to use your discretion and also have some fucking people skills, bro. Right. Like, just be able to look at that person who's bothering you, and maybe this is my customer service background, mm-hmm. just being able to be like, okay, no problem, I got you. Make them feel accepted, make them feel special, right. and go back to DJ. And then DJ so well that they forget that they requested the song. Next time I go to a party and I'll see you DJ and I'm going to hide in the corner and scream out, I want to hear Randy Travis' achy, breaky heart. Listen to me when I tell you I was DJing a, I was DJing a club in uh, Seattle City mm-hmm. uh, called Shenanigans, which if you're down there and you're partying, it's like the place to go. Mm-hmm. It's a party. It's what you would think of like a shore bar, mm-hmm. turn up, all that stuff. Um, that being said, they're a little, uh, a little anti-hip-hop if right. you will. Probably anti a lot of other things that I don't ever want them to tell me. And I haven't done business with them in over a year and I, I don't know if I'm, you know, that much of a rush to get back anytime soon. Right. But, uh, I, they gave me a little bit of freedom. I got to play some different stuff. But I'm not stupid. There was a group of girls from like, I think like Staten Island. It would make sense if they were from Staten Island. Um, attractive girls. They wanted... Give me the loot. So bad. Now, while you and I on like the social tip or like, you know, in a personal tip with these young ladies might have been like, you know, might make your heart go pitter patter real quick, right? But I'm like, ladies, honestly, what are we doing here? Like, I'm not allowed to play hip hop in here. You want me to play Give Me the Loot? She's like, well, what's wrong with the song? I said, the song is about robbing someone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is the whole entire song, including the title is about an, like an armed robbery. It's an inappropriate setting for a song of it's, that magnitude, yes. Which, 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 I mean, brings me to my, we, you know, we like unpopular hip-hop opinions, right? Yeah. If you love hip-hop, stop requesting Biggie. Please. Guys, I love Big. Mm-hmm. I love the, the path he was able to, you know, the trail he was able to blaze. And, and by the way, when I'm making these statements, because I'm not sure what your listener base is, I hope it's enormous, and I'm not sure who is listening. Mm-hmm. If any DJs that are listening and you guys curate your own parties or you play in much more liberal neighborhoods or much more liberal non-corporate venues than I do, mm-hmm. God bless you, for real. God bless you. And, and if I'm a sellout, I'm a sellout, whatever, I don't care. God bless you. Because I'm sure you're sitting on the other side of this saying, like, I play Biggie all the time. That's dope. If you played it at any of the places that I played, you would never be asked back. And it's not because Biggie doesn't make good music, by the way. The reason why I make the hot take statement of stop requesting Biggie is because people are very confused at how many 
club formatted songs Biggie had. Now, as a non-DJ, but as a very, very intelligent music head, I want you to name how many Biggie songs you think I could play in a club setting. In a club setting? I'm talking like a real club setting, not just like a bar where people happen to be dancing and might know some music. So I'm, no offense to Silk City, I'm, I'm not including Silk City in right. this. So I'm, I'm just naming Silk City as like a place that people default to when they hear DJs. Okay. Because th- that's a niche market. Like we know that Rich Medina is going to be able to get off some Biggie in Silk City because he's Rich Medina. Right. But in terms of like club bounce, club ready joints? Talking anywhere in the country, like not not just Philly, like literally, I could go anywhere in the country to play a Biggie song. What's it gonna be? I think two songs. Either gonna be Hypnotized, because it's so well known, and the One More Chance remix, but the hip hop remix. That's yeah, that's a hip hop head answer. I like it. I'll play it. I play it at the end of the night. But I think the only thing that's universal will be Hypnotized. And more money, more problems. One more, yeah, one more, more problems. Right. Yeah. Right. So the two of them. Yeah. Okay. In doses, by the way. Like, and they go every time. People like it. Right. But like, someone's like, I want to hear some hip hop, play Biggie. The other hot take, someone's like, yo, I want to hear some hip hop, play Jay-Z. By the way, Jay-Z's hip hop. I'm not saying he isn't. Jay did not make as many club formatted songs as you guys think he did. He just made a lot of great music. Because I think the club joint that he actually did, because first of all, let's, let's keep, we keep being honest here. Nothing in volume one was club. No. Nothing in volume. No reasonable doubt, no volume one. Volume two. Play Hard Knock Life if you wanted to like get the crowd to sing along for the hook. And Money Cash Holes on that album, I'm like, nah, definitely not. Yeah, but that's more like, that goes back to a conversation I had with somebody the other day, is that our era of like high school and early college, mm-hmm. those records were actually club records. Like, yeah, the tunnels. Yeah, yeah. Bro, we had, it didn't matter where you were, like anywhere on the East Coast was playing hard records in the club. Like, Mob Deep Burn was a club record. Yes, sir. Right, mm-hmm. like Nori's "Grimy" was a club record. Even even um, wasn't a Quiet Storm a club record too? Yeah, but Quiet I, Storm remix was a club record. Yep. Like that's why the the in essence or whatever the hell the R and B group made the remix to it because it was such a hot club record. Right. right. So that was different. So that's a different time. But I'm talking about nowadays the club the formatting of club records is different. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. So I mean, it it, it just. People got to get off their high horse in general. DJs and audiences both have to get off their high horse. Got to realize where we're at, you know. To you know, I, by the way, I, I love Spanish music, and I have, I I wish I could play more of it at, at certain mm. places that I'm at. I joke around. I have some you know close uh, female friends of mine who are, who are Dominican, and whenever they they'll be out at like a club I'm playing or something like that, they obviously they would love to hear some bachata. They know I'm not going to be able to play it, so they know and they hate. But they know that like one of the only Spanish records I'll be able to get off in like a mainstream club is like a Suavemente or something like that. And they roll their eyes. Well, you know what I love though? They roll their eyes when I play it. They dance their ass off though. You can't not. Like a good song is a good song. First of all, Suavemente is a fucking hood class. Listen. But anyway, that's that's my feelings on requests. Both sides are wrong. Both sides need to relax. DJs, you definitely need to relax. And audiences for sure need to relax. I'm going to tell you something, bro. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I had to come off my high horse because you know what? As a, much of a fan that I was of hip hop, I realized I had like the purest point of view. Sure. Hard and, not to. Yeah, it's hard not to, but I realized I'm like, yo, I sat back one day. I said, man, I said, I'm not really as backpacky, rapidy rap as I, as I thought I was. Because I'm like, listen, there's a lot of shit out here that I do enjoy. Like people mentioned like, the mumble rappers. I'm like, I like this shit. 
I like I like shit in every single era, you know? It's just like there's some things that I'm like, yo, this is garbage, cuz. But for the most part, I try now, especially since I'm getting older, yeah. to keep an open mind to what I'm hearing. I'm a firm believer in doing the best version of whatever you're trying to do, right? So, like, you know, DJ Drama has, like, the quality street music or whatever, you know, his thing is. Yeah. Excuse me, my firm belief is that, like, whatever you're trying to do, this has always been my beef. The, the artists who I dislike, I dislike because they're making bad music. Mm-hmm. Bad music. Not 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 my kind of music. Just bad music. Trust. If you, like, listen, Migos can rap. Like, I hate when people are like, you know, uh, I don't like them because they're mumble rap. No, they speak in a very low tone and they, they, and they, the they triple every other bar, which people don't like, like certain parts of the flow. They're rapping. I don't, I'm, whatever. You like them, you don't like them. I don't really care. They're right. rapping and they're making hits, which is a lot more than most of you, you dudes can say, especially, you know, we talk big battle rap fans. Mm-hmm. Those guys can't make a song for shit. Like some of them really can't. Like some of them can barely stay on beat, which is wild because they're amazing poets. Mm-hmm. But I, I even said this, if, and people don't remember, um, well, I mean, people, people remember it, but when, like, when Fat Joe and Jada Kiss were like, uh, what Jada said at first, was like, why is everybody so mad at the South for? Switch the style up, just change the Southpaw, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, when, when Jeezy came out, cats were mad a little bit because they were like, well, he's not really rapping. Once mm-hmm. again, another unpopular hip-hop opinion, Jeezy can rap. Yes, he can. Everybody calm down. Jeezy can really rap. But like everyone was so upset about like how slow it was. It's like hip hop's not supposed to be this slow and and all this other stuff. I'm like, yo, Jeezy's music always was, and in my opinion still is, even if it doesn't hit as hard as it used to, everybody runs their course. It's quality. Everything's quality. His voice, you can't teach. It's unmatchable. Like I said, why I stopped rapping and started DJing, because I don't have Jeezy's voice. And Jeezy has Jeezy's voice. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, bro, you can't teach that. Nope. You can't teach it. And guess what? No one ever taught him. No one ever taught him anything. No one taught him how to rap. No one got him in the studio. No one told him it would be a good idea. It was a natural progression from some activities that he was involved in and mm-hmm. some business ventures that they wanted to branch off to. And it worked out. And, it, and, and you see it as a natural progression from just straight up rapping about exactly what I'm doing, continuing to rap about what I'm doing, but what now what I'm seeing, to now really rapping about you know, like social progress and, mm. you know, which is why like his recession album to me will always be one of the most underrated albums in, in hip hop period, but certainly in his catalog. What's for social commentary, the album hit the mark, bro. So good. So good. So just make good versions or whatever. The reason why I get pissed about other, all the other people that people hate, I don't hate them because they have funny hair. I don't hate them because the beats are slow. I don't hate them because they do drugs. I wish they didn't do drugs because they are all going to die soon. I don't know if people realize that. Um, I hate them because they can't rap on beat. Bro, it's that simple. It's like, why don't you like him? Because he goes off beat so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, you are not able to do the fun. It's like a, if a DJ, it, it's actually, it's exactly like this. It's the same thing as if a DJ is not able to blend two beats together. It's the simplest aspect of DJing. Some people lack at it. Some people don't. If you are rapping and not able to stay on beat. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have like an off flow, Jay-Z had an off flow for the first couple of albums. He was not off beat, but he was, he was, he had a hitch to Because he came from doing the fast, rippity rap, rap, rap mm-hmm. stuff to doing like the regular like yeah. pace bars. Yeah. Was, yeah. He had a little bit of a hitch to his flow. 
until he took Chris's. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm good. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had to get that. I had to get that man, off. Man, infinite shots, B. He came off the joints. I had to get that off. Um, yeah, no, he, uh, you know, everybody, everybody had their weaknesses, but my issue was just make quality, bro. Like, mm -hmm. just, just make quality. Quality over quantity. Always. Over trash. So, listen, I know my main man has hit these streets, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he got here about to take over the world. But before we go, I want to ask you, my main man, DJ Mike Lowry. What? What is your favorite song to play in the club? Shit. That's a that's a, a least favorite question then. Can I make a request? Damn, my favorite song to play in the club. That that's always gonna change. Um Damn. Or I slip it. Let's make it let's make it more uh no, more juicy, man. Now what song? All right, let's go back sure. to a moment, okay? Yeah. So you were in a club, right? Right. What moment can you remember where you played a certain song, right? And the whole spot went apeshit nuts. That's a, that's a better question because that, that song always changes. Mm -hmm. But there's certain songs that it's more of a unanimous reaction, right? Like there's songs that DJs hear that we love and we want to work. Mm -hmm. And like those hype DJs can make it work, like the ones who like talk over every record and they bring it back. They're going to get the crowd into it eventually with the right lighting and the right air horns and cryo guns and stuff like that. But like sometimes a song just got to be a song. Right. For instance, Pop That was that song, right? Like Pop That was really that song. And I'm going to keep it funky. Pop That's still kind of that song if you know how to play it. Like now you, the difference is you can't just drop it anywhere and you can't just expect it to work the way that it. Mm -hmm. That it um, that it always did. I mean, pop that was definitely one of those records. Uh, sadly, every DJ kind of bites their the inside of their cheek when they play it because, mm -hmm. but it still works. Is uh, be faithful, you know, like Fat Man Scoop and and Faith Evans. That every DJ kind of laughs at each other. Mm -hmm. uh, like when we play it, because we, I mean, it's cheat code because like it's, it just works, you know. Uh, there's that. Uh, let's see. see. I play. I play in different markets, man. So it's there's certain songs of other genres that work. Like I joke around, like uh, uh, Fall Out Boys, Sugar, We're Going Down. I I know that's not the response everybody wanted me to say, like that new Trippy Red record, but I'm not going to say that, bro. Because guess what? Everybody likes that new Trippy Red record. You're wrong if you think everybody in the room likes it. I, like I gotta play places where everybody in the room likes a song. That doesn't mean every every song I play is like without soul and without any artistic merit. That's not what I'm saying. But your question was, what song made everybody go nuts? Mm -hmm. There's only certain songs that makes everybody go nuts. Suave Mente, by the way, is one of those songs to, to all the Spanish people who were pissed off at me saying that that's a Spanish record I play. Uh, no, I mean the moment in time type songs. I mean when I was first first starting out, shit. Um, Jay-Z's uh, Just Wanna Love You had that reaction, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it was a crossover type of song that would make everybody go crazy. Uh, Faramon Simon Says, like for the real heads who were like really in there in Dude. clubs. Yeah. Annie Up Remix had that feeling early on. Like those were, like when I first started DJing, those were the records that like, you know, 
when Buster said, attention, please, attention, please, you actually had to provide him with your attention, even though he wasn't in the room. Like you were like looking up on stage, like somebody just said, attention, please. Uh, that, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, Yo, you know, it, and this is, there's silly records too, that, that people don't remember having the impact they did. Travis Porter had a run. Yeah, he did. They, there was three they people. Did. Sorry, people. They no, did. no, no, that's okay. People I'm, th- I'm thinking of uh, Roscoe Dash. I always get them Because they were coming out around the same yeah. time. Right, right. Yeah. Travis Porter had a run, uh, speaking of Club Adesso, down the street, because it was right during that era. Uh, Travis Porter had a run that, uh, that, like, that Bring It Back record, uh, Make It Rain. Make like, It Rain trick. Oh my God! Oh. Listen, when you heard that, you want to see some ass? I want to see some cat. That shit, I ran that back like you could run it back like three, four times. It didn't matter. That and, was the track. Yeah. And same thing, even you know, and, and those are the records that like to this day. I don't think uh, the last record that one hundred percent had that impact. I'm talking one hundred percent because, like I said, anybody that listens to this is going to be able to name like, oh, Mike, you're only naming popular records. Well, genius, that was Mike's question for me. What was the song that made everybody go crazy? Yes. So I'm sorry that my answer was not nuanced enough for you guys and that you wanted me to say, like, no, nah, but that new Smoke purpose fire. All right, dope. That's going to make you and your boys bob your head at somebody's basement party. But I get everybody involved. Talking about so the close. thousand people. I'm talking about a club full of a thousand people. I'm assuming that's what your question was. Oh, yeah, hell towards. yes, okay. indeed. Yeah. So club full of a thousand people or 2,000 people. I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to say that I played that. Club full of 2,000 people. Last record to have that impact, really have that impact. And I, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong if there's another one recently. Mm. It would have to be Trap Queen. I think it was Trap Queen. Trap Queen. Like, like full-on sing-along, bounce-along, dance-along impact. Young M.A.'s Ooh had it, but it's a little bit too smooth. So, like, if not everybody knows how to, like, really do that, like New York bop, mm-hmm. they get lost in the verse a little bit. Then they come back around for the I call her Heffany shit, and then mm-hmm. they get back into it, whatever. All the way up had it. All the way up didn't touch. I don't. I don't think it touched uh, Trap Queen. I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's been one since that. One dance had it, but it's not the same energy. But things that come and they go. Yeah, I mean, I, Drake, Drake records in general do it, but. Uh, shit, Grove Street Party still does it. Waka Flocka's Grove Street Party still does it. Still goes super hard. Yeah, that's that's in rotation for sure. I'm trying, I don't know. I know I'm picking all easy answers, but I'm trying to think of the masses, not not really like individuals. Yeah, I don't know. That's I I don't, I'm not good at giving one answer for when it when it comes to music. I'm sorry. And it's all good, my brother, Sorry, because bro. you know this is how we get down. Before we go, as I want to, <laughs> I want to bring up a story. Oh, um, it's, a, it's an awful note to end on, but I'm with it because I'm I'm with the shits, literally. Let's do yo, this. Yeah. yeah so speaking ahead. of being with the shits, you mentioned a club called Club Odessos, right? Yes. And there was an infamous story uh, that was that can be told about that club. That oh, club God. is no longer here; it's gone. But I mean, when it was here for the time time, time being. It was it was a popping place. It was the shit. It was the shit. No pun intended. I'm oh. running. I'm getting all these puns off. Go ahead. Yo, man, like I think they even played Doodoo Brown over there. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So 
one night. I was telling, was it summer? I think it might have been doing the summer, right? Uh, was it? It might have been. It might have been the springtime at Spring, least. Yeah. Because yeah. I was there in the wintertime, and then I was there like one time after that before this happened. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I remember being on Twitter one day, right? <laughs> and I'm seeing notes from people, you know, Philly Twitter, people who I knew who were on the scene. It was like, right. yo, man. So some girl took a shit on the floor. There was twit pics, too. It, it was, yeah, it was. There was twit pics. Of yo, uh, Children, twit pics. Uh, predates Instagram and Snapchat. Yes. You had to either take a picture with the app or take a picture and upload it to the app and include it with your tweet. And I believe it took up character space as well. It definitely, ew, um, if I, it did. It did take up character space. When it was 140 characters, again, children, not whatever this yeah, that, ridiculous amount is now. That twit pic, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. yo. So there was twit pic evidence. Some, so a young lady decided to take a shit. I don't think she was a lady. Yeah, oh my God. Oh. Oh, well, she, oh, well, she was. She did it, man. She dropped a fucking log on the floor in the club. Right on the carpeted area, too. If no one's ever been to Adesso, uh, there's an Italian restaurant downstairs. And it's a beautiful Italian restaurant, good food. Uh, and upstairs, just creating the, the... The saddest part about this was, not only did they throw good parties there, and shout out to the promoters who used to throw stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I, forget, I think C. Diddy used to throw stuff there. I forget who else did. I know, uh, man, Max, Snacks. Everybody knows Snacks from the you know YouTube and A-Town fame and stuff like that. I know Snacks used to throw parties there. RL, shout out to RL. RL used to spin there. But uh, it was beautiful. That was the craziest part about this place is that it was like right on Walnut Street. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice. Had these like beautiful carpeted floors and then had this big ass dance floor. It had the best sound system in the city. Like, that was the wild part about all of this tragic ending is that it was, like, the best sound system, you know, I'd gotten a chance to play on at that point in my career. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I woke up to the same twit pics of uh, shit on the floor. And I don't know if they ever found out who it was. Do you know if they did? Nah. I think it's, like, a very well-kept secret. Cause well, it, oh, I know, like, it says, it said, uh, so the girl did it. It says she was... She's like, yeah, right, right in between the couches, B. There were chairs there. It was, it was, it was a landing. I was like, yeah, she did over there. I'm like, I, I don't know, but she. I guess somebody knows. Yeah. Seen her, but they know the name or the face. I was like, yeah. yo, you just out here wilding out, man. It was heavily confirmed that it was a girl. Like, there was no dispute about that. Yep. I also think, no offense, ladies, I've never heard of a story where a guy did that. Like, I've heard of some stories where girls did similar things. Guys do some foul stuff. I don't know if a guy's taking a shit in the middle of a club. Yeah, man, it's not... I don't think that's what we do, yo. She was a different kind of drunk that night. So long story short, Adesso was no more after that. That kind of killed the vibe, if you will, as you can imagine it would. Such a shame, man. Hey, you know what I can say about that, bro? What's that? Shit happens. Ah! I love it. Adesso, yo. <laughs> We're going to bring this episode to an end. My main man, Mike Lowry, thank you for being a guest. Thank Tell you, people thank where you they can find me. you, man. Oh, shoot. It's DJ Mike Lowry. That's DJ M-I-K-E-L-O-W-R-Y. That's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. I don't really use. I apologize. I'm not really that entertaining, but you're welcome to follow me on there, too. Um, yeah, that's everything. All the, all the social medias, and I am Googleable, and my schedule's up there. You can come check me out, Philly AC and elsewhere. Also, before we end this, please know the importance of adopting pits. Oh, yeah, adopt, don't shop. Adopt, don't shop. Because all those dogs were once a part of those designer litters that you're looking for. And uh, animals love us way more than people. It's unconditional. 
So just throwing it out there. That's how we do it. The 1984 Fly Dot Podcast, episode number 14. Goddamn, 14. Blessings in the air has ended. Peace. Peace.